Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bones Brigade audio show. I'm Larry. And of course, Matt is here with me today. What's going on, Matt? Oh, man, not a whole lot. We got a, we got a, got a solid one today. Yeah, I think this one's going to be pretty crazy. And suddenly I feel like my intros are too like radio DJ guy. I don't know, like, oh, like morning, morning radio show guy or something like nah. su- super spunky. No, nah. no, nah. we're good. We're good. Okay. So before we kind of dive into today, I wanted to get give a shout out to, uh, I got a new skateboard magazine in the mail, brand new first issue, Closer Skateboard Magazine. Uh, this is done by Jamie Owens, who is the former editor of Skateboarder, as well as uh, Transworld Skateboarding. And it's super awesome. I was super excited to see this. Super good quality. Uh, it's perfect bound, really good printing, great content mix of old and new which is right up my alley. You get some new, you get some history. So I just wanted to, if you guys don't know about this new magazine, go check it out. Uh, It's Closer Skateboarding on Instagram. Uh, I think that's their .com too. But it's also got a great interview with John Lucero done by Eric Swisher, uh, AKA Chops from the Chrome Ball incident, who we've actually talked to about coming on an episode in the future. Can you have a bad Lucero interview? I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I don't think. I don't can. think it's possible, man. Yeah, he's great. Every every interview with that guy is, is the best. Also, I wanted to let everyone know Lance Mountain is a guest on the latest episode of Hawk versus Wolf podcast. That's Tony Hawk and Jason Ellis have a podcast together. And I listened to that today while working. Super good. I uh, learned a new kind of few minor details of a story I was familiar with. So that was helped kind of, you know, bring a little more clarity to it, which was super awesome to hear. And also before we dive into today, I wanted to revisit Axe Rated a little bit, which was the video we covered in our previous episode. We touched a little bit in that episode kind of about the sexual innuendos. <laughs> the Miss Catherine character was saying. So I ended up watching it again and I and I wrote them down. <laughs> and I thought I would read them off. Because um, when you're 14, you don't under, under understand yeah, some of it. This definitely goes right over your head. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned some of them, but I'll start again with the 36C 7XI. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've got the 36C. We've got bad boy pocket rocket. We've got 30 inches of foolish pleasure, vertical stimulators, Mm -hmm. general pleasure units, 97A, rock hard and rock long. (laughs) These bearings are so sprung. Swallow them whole, but never on the first date. (laughs) Skank accessories. Uh, this next one special friends deserve speed cream yes and then of course the sticker toss the ultimate in social intercourse <laughs> pretty brazen for a paul for a paul video yeah because they yeah. they censor you know cuss yeah. words and stuff so yeah yeah and then i must be blind because she's so well that whole set that she's standing on is so perfectly branded in with that gold rush trade show booth because you know it's so obvious that it maybe it's just you're not it's so obvious it's not really even registering with you but her dress is gold the curtains are gold Mm -hmm. and then the tablecloth is gold so it's like yeah it's so obvious that you know it was filmed 
with that in mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like that was something I noticed on a rewatch since we recorded, and I was just like, oh my god, it yeah. couldn't be any more obvious. But yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. Show me the skateboarding parts, please. Or something. <laughs> wow. Thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for your your hard work cataloging all that <laughs> important information. Yeah. Well, that's what we do here, you know. That's true. Yeah, we yeah. dig down and uh, go where other podcasts don't go. So today we're talking about Savannah Slamma, and I think some people out there might be thinking, "Why the heck are they talking about this random contest video?" But some information we're gonna deal out in a little bit here will make it pretty clear as to why we're covering it today. But we've got three, not one, not two, but three incredible guests. So we've got joining us today is Tim Malins. He was, you know, he conceived the idea for the contest. He was the promoter. He was the all around general, you know, event coordinator. He later worked for Paul Peralta. And then I even believe he worked for Birdhouse Skateboards after that. Oh, wow. And we've got Jason Filippo, who is a designer and an artist living in Los Angeles. But as a young skate rat, he was in the crowd spectating at the contest. And also joining us today is Steve Size, who I think a lot of our listeners will recognize as one of the incredible rubber boys from public domain. You know, he was a big time Powell Peralta pro and uh, he was at the contest. He was still an am. Uh, he didn't skate during the contest, but he was there on the ground floor and, you know, and skated during practice. So we've got three really great perspectives, perspectives yeah. Yeah, of this contest. So um, I can't wait to hear their stories. So I think without further ado, let's bring them on. All right, here we are. I've got my co-host, Matt. We've got Tim, Jason, and Steve on the line. And we're here today to talk about Savannah Slamma which was released on VHS in 1988, has a running time of 28 minutes, and it was released by Thrasher Magazine. And if you've been listening to the show, you might be thinking, well, what the heck? Why are they covering this video? You know, they just talk about Bones Brigade videos. But uh, let me read you some of the credits here, and you might get tuned in as to why we're talking about it today. Uh, the video was directed by C.R. Stesic III, produced by Stacy Peralta, executive producers Fausto Vitello and Eric Swenson and George Powell, filmed and edited by Stacy Peralta, Dennis Dragon, and Lowboy, who is uh, Craig Stesic, and narration by Richard Damage, which I have some fun facts about Richard Damage in a little bit. And the second unit director was James Jimmy Fitzpatrick. So you, you can tell who made this video is straight up Paul Peralta affair here. But before we kind of dive into the video, since we've got the uh, event producer, I guess, Tim, would that be the, the proper title for you? Yeah, for promoter, Slam? event producer. I think they, I can't remember what title they kind of gave me for it. Pretty much the, the, the promoter or, you know, the venue producer, I guess. I think the way they put it back then was the dude to put it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So how did it come to be that this event was going to be in Savannah? Or how did you connect with Thrasher and everybody? So I had a skate shop and um, we were actually probably one of the prominent Powell dealers on the East Coast. Um, so it was pretty easy to get some of the riders, you know, like Steve, you know, Rodney and Pear. And so Pear had done Pear Belinda. He had 
done a couple demos at the shop, I think one or two by then. And we just got to be pretty friendly. And um, I pitched him the idea of, I said, you know, I want to do a contest. He goes, oh yeah, you should do some amateur contests. I said, no, I've done that before. I want to do a pro contest. And he was like, really? And he said, well, what would you do? I said, oh, I want to do street, like street style. And uh, there hadn't been that many of them then. So he said, it's funny you mentioned that because that's all Stacy talks about is everything's going to be streaked, which I completely agreed with. And also he said Thrasher, Fausto Vitello at Thrasher is very interested too, um, because they don't feel there's enough representation with what they call street style at the time, which in turn would sell more skateboards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, he goes, I'll tell you what, I, I got to go up to San Francisco to meet with Fausto because um, I'm leaving Tracker and I'm going to start um, i'm working with them on a on a thunder freestyle truck like a 110 or whatever it was he goes i'll mention it i was like okay i didn't didn't think much about it sure enough it must have been a week or later i checked my answer machine at home hey my name's foster vitello uh very interested in what your your contest idea call me back here's my number my office call me back Fausto was like, I know it was funny hearing because I was like, wow, is this guy like the mafia guy of skateboarding or something? That's, uh-huh. not a, that's not a good term or something, but he's having, he was like the most no bullshit guy I've ever talked to at the time of my life right there. Just straightforward, no chit chat, no BS, call me, you know. So I call him up and he goes, yeah, I'm definitely interested. I talked about the idea of Savannah being a good, a good location because everything was always on the East Coast is always way down in Florida or up at the Northeast. But wouldn't it be great if something was more mid-Atlantic area? Which he agreed with us. It's just closer to for people to come up from Florida, uh, people coming down from, say, North Carolina, metropolitan places like uh, Columbia, Atlanta, Jacksonville. So he's like, yeah, it's a good spot. So um, he goes... I tell you what, here's your assignment. You go find a venue in Savannah and get back to me. Okay. All right. All right. Call me back when you find one. So what was the search for the venue? I went, oh shit, what have I done? Because I had no idea where to put this. And I was like, Savannah needs plenty of room for, you know, attendees for audience. And I was like, but also when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? because I can't think of where to put this thing. And I thought Savannah has a couple stadiums, but it's just dirt and grass. <laughs> it's a stadium. Like, it's got to be something, you know, you can skate on. Um, I looked into schools, any place with a big parking lot. And then finally, I just thought, sat down and thought about it. And they go, where, are we, where do you put sporting events? And I go, ah, of course, the Civic Center. Yeah, the Civic Center Arena in Savannah. Yeah, great. I wonder what that cost. <laughs> Uh-huh. So um, I went and I got contact with the director there, went and checked it out. Of course, like most arenas, perfect surface uh, on the floor. And uh, and I thought also, okay, great. This is going to be towards the summer. It's air conditioned. We're not going to have to worry about all the thunderstorms that Savannah typically has that time of year. So I thought, okay, yeah, we'll go with this. And so I kind of got the figures. It was going to be, I think like $5,000 and insurance on top of it and all the fees to do the ticketing, they handle the ticketing. And I go, I'm bitten off <laughs> more like a chew for sure. But I got out of any, I'll call him back to see what he says. So, um, so I called him back. He goes, yeah, what you got? And I go, the Savannah Civic Center Arena. Big enough for a hockey rink, perfect surface, holds 5,000 to 6,000 people. And he was like, you really you think we could do this? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, tell you what, it'll be a couple of days. I'll get back to you. I'm going to fly out and look at it. And I was like, oh, wow. okay, now I'm really in deep. You know, so, um, <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, I think two or three days later, he, he calls me up and he said, I'm flying out. You know, what kind of car do you have? What does it look like? And I go, it's a red Volkswagen GTI. And he goes, all right, 
I'm going to be at the airport this time. I'll be outside. Come pick me up. <laughs> and sure enough, it was like in the morning and uh, he flew in for the day. Didn't even stay overnight. He left that afternoon. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, I pull up at the airport. He recognized my car, waves me down, gets in. He goes, show me this place. <laughs> yeah, pretty much it. And he goes, oh, wait, pull over. I need a disposable camera. Yeah, because we, of course, no digital cameras there. Um, so we went to the venue and we talked to the guy, you know, looked at what it was going to cost. And then um, he took a bunch of pictures, walked around, took a bunch of pictures to take back. And he goes, all right, let's go to breakfast. You know, so we, I take him to breakfast. It was like, I don't know, a hotel or something. And then, you know, he kind of we talked it over, talked it back and forth. And he's like, I like this. This will work. And he just went, I'll tell you what, you take care of the venue, the cost of the venue. We'll come in. It's going to be probably myself with Stacy or whatever. We're going to, we're going to figure this out and we're going to come in and uh, we'll run the thing. Basically, you definitely got to help out a lot. Um, you can have the name, the trademark. You could do, you can have the stickers, um, t-shirts, that kind of thing, but we'll, we'll, we'll run this thing and you're going to be pounding a lot of nails. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice. so did you come um, up with the name Savannah Slamma? No, I, I think it was originally Kevin Thatcher, and it was originally going to be called, I believe it's Kevin Thatcher, and it was originally going to be called Not So Sacred in the South. And I can't remember at one point um, when they started with sending out the materials, like the graphics and whatnot, it changed to Savannah Slam. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Thatcher was the person that came up with it. Yeah, part of the deal, though, uh, with, with Fosto, they had, um, I think the NSA and also the industry, they had trouble with what they would do, come in and run a contest. Somebody I mean, get the venue and be like a venue, the, the promoter like me. But what they'd happen when they got there the day of, they found out the concept, the ticket, the entry ticket would be $30, $40. Oh, wow. You know, you have a family of four, that might be unattainable. So Fosto made me promise, he said, we're, we're sick of this happening. Is this happening? You know, they had one incident where the promoter, they walked away one day, they ran everything. Guy walked away with like 40 grand. I think he's just feeling them out and make sure. And like, I was into promoting skating. All I want, I told him, all I want to do is I want to put man on the map with skateboarding and in turn put my shop on the map. And he said, that's all you want? I said, yeah, I just want to try to break even on this thing. I, I don't, I don't care or not to lose too much. And maybe I'll reap the rewards of the, of the store. And he goes, okay, I trust you on this. He said, just, uh, yeah, keep it, keep it less than a movie ticket price. So I did. The first one was $3. It was three bucks to get in. Holy so it was cow. Super affordable. Yeah. Um, I think, it, I think the two and three, it went to $5. Three to 5,000 people in there, three bucks a hit. And then also the box office took a portion for ticketing. And we donated a little money to Ronald McDonald House because my family had a, personal uh, car accident incident that they really helped out with our family so we were going to pay back on that so anyway yeah our goal was to try break even that's why he made sure i got the t-shirt sales and sticker sales too you booked the first indoor street style contest that's yeah pretty yeah remarkable. Thought, uh, yeah Fonso, i think at first he thought it was crazy because it was, it was a lot to bite off so anyway that's how it started um you know pair was really one of the unsung hero about it you know planted the seed uh it probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for uh pair blender for sure so jason how did uh savannah slamma come onto your radar uh, in 1987, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina, which is just two hours, uh, a short two hour drive up the coast uh, from Savannah. So I got wind of the event. I think I saw a flyer at the local sporting goods store that just said it had the Savannah Slam graphic with a guy doing the Christ air on it, it said August 15. I don't even know if it said pro contest on it. It was the flyer was so understated that it didn't exactly punch me in the gut, like the scope of this event that I was going to be attending, how insane it was going to be. But I, you know, I saw it, I talked to some of my buddies, 
we talked our mother into driving the station wagon full of 16, 15, 16 year old skate rats down to Savannah for the day to be part of the mob scene that was uh, in the stands of the, uh, the arena there. So that's how we found out about it. That's awesome. Steve, how did you end up at Savannah? Because I know it was a pro contest and you were still am at the time, right? But you got to tag along. Yeah, um, for me at the time, Pal was kind of, um, they were kind of sending me to contest to see which one I'd maybe want to turn pro at. I didn't know this really at the time. So they, you want to go to Savannah's contest? I'm like, hell yeah, with Lance and Cab and everybody. So I went and just started skating around with everybody. And just, you know, I was like, wow, this is insane. It was so big too. The the obstacles were so like, there's quarter pipe stuff for vert guys. And there was some street stuff, board slides and hands rail were just starting to come into you know play in a contest too yeah that's how I, I just ended up there and it's kind of interesting enough during practice and stuff people thought I was going to turn pro and I had no idea and they actually asked me hey do you want to turn pro uh Stacy asked me if I wanted to and so did uh Brian Ridgeway with Tracker oh right right there for that event yeah they were everybody was like dude you should enter yeah I thought you were going to but for me, I know Powell was a little bit more notorious about, you know, if you turn pro for them, I guess the ultimate goal would be like the dream was to be a Powell skater with a board. But like none of that stuff had even been discussed or anything. And I go, yeah, man, it feels good. But I go, you know what? It just I'd rather wait. My, my kind of plan back then being a competitive skateboarder was like, you know, I'd rather do it like, you know, Jeff Rosser or somebody that like. He stayed amateur a long time and did well, super good as uh, as like a top end, got more coverage and all that stuff. And then when he turned pro, it was like, oh, he was ready to be, he was already in the same ranks. So I just go, ah, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to wait it out. I didn't turn pro until what, Savannah Slam of three. And that was my first one. That was also with like, you know, Schroeder, Danny Way and all these other guys. That was all of our, you know, I think Ray Barbie too. Like tons of guys turned pro. Tom Knox, I think turned pro that year too. So that was the big that was the first big street contest where a lot of the new generation and street guys, you know, went pro there. That was just so fun to be with everybody and skate with everybody and seeing Gons skate the way he did. It was, it was insane because street skating was just starting to get into handrails and he was already killing like this wooden handrail and doing like 50 fifties and frontside board slides at the time. We're like, Oh wow. That's the, the next level stuff. There were so many things that we saw for the first time was there at that contest yeah he went up the handrail <laughs> yeah i think he did too him. right yeah i never yeah. saw anybody go up the handrail yeah it took a few attempts but he did it one of the reasons the savannah contest stands out to me so much is just say like the year before think of maybe like the street style and tempe contest that's like the year before and now savannah the skating oh, well that's the like, year before that's weird to think about yeah it's like way yeah. wow progressed in that one year's time and i guess we got to talk about the handrail this is like the first contest handrail ever and how many street yeah, contests have yeah. had handrails since then it's you know every every single contest that, yeah that's crazy to think about um well yeah one thing mark did too was oh street contests back then were kind of fun too because we used to always pull ramps across and i used to like try to create something else but mark was hitting I mean, the the fun box thing there was, I don't know, it was seems like it was 15 feet tall. How tall was the thing? <laughs> yeah, that's it's really tall. <laughs> no, it's probably like, it was probably like five feet, six feet tall, but uh, the rail just, it, it hit and then it just had this big drop off too. But I mean, a lot of those guys, uh, I skated with Cab and Lance the night before and I was doing like real handrails. They, they took me to this place. I did this one longer handrail. I don't know if it was the library somewhere skating around there. Uh, nobody was doing, doing the handrail, but then at the contest, 
everybody started hitting that rail. You know, it was a little, it's a little bit more obtainable, but still, still kind of gnarly. Savannah Slamma, that first contest, it sort of sets up the formula for the following several years for all sort of street style contests with you have that sort of central obstacle that you can hit from three or four directions that's in the center of the arena floor and many times with like a bank or a launch ramp at the face and then like the handrail coming off the end or whatever so I mean we didn't know it at the time but yeah they've sort of placed that fun box in the center but then the other interesting thing is you have kind of a recreate uh, a recreated little slice of the Venice Pavilion, which was really going off an early summer of 87 uh, out here in California, where you have the launch to wall ramp or just the launch ramp, or you have the wall ramp that's flush to the wall and the guys are doing huge slides and, and kick turns on, you know, five or six feet of vertical, which is just mimicking what was going on down on the, the, the boardwalk of Venice at that time. So it's kind of a it's kind of a hybrid of things that they already know are going to work, but with some new elements thrown in. Hey, Tim, um, I'm wondering who was the guy that kind of helped design the park? Was it did Tim Payne? Because I know Tim did a lot of of the contest. I think he ramps. did the layer ones. A lot of it was I really I think a lot of it was Lance kind of sitting down with a with a, with a paper and pencil going, "This would be cool," and then something like Jim Muir would go, "Oh, we should add this." I mean, it was really kind of done. There were some initial plans and let's add this. Like it was kind of like, oh, we need a car. Boss goes, yeah, let's go get a car. Let's go to the junkyard. <laughs> car deliver. Yeah. You know, so a lot of it was made up. But um, like you mentioned, it was it was definitely that central box that we talked about. That was central object. That was that, that was very intentional. I remember, I remember that being very intentional from the get go. Well, Tommy Kay had obviously come down from Atlanta with his girlfriend Absolute. to help with the build, which is Absolutely. such a great, such a great cameo from Future Primitive, where we saw him <laughs> near Trashmore telling everybody keep the damn raccoon out of my truck. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he was a trip too. Yeah, he came. He's like a, God, that guy's like he was like an icon in in Atlanta. Like, yeah. I remember coming across him on accident. Like I went to a ministry show in Atlanta and he's right outside. <laughs> and then he was going and going, Hey man, you're the Samantha Slamma guy. Yeah. What's wow. up? You know, it was like, that is like, so yeah, cool. He was, he was a character. And it, I think he, he had a lot to do with the design input too, as well. I called Jim Muir this week to um, pick his brain a little bit uh, ahead of this podcast to try and get, get some info on sort of like what his perspective was. Cause he was there helping with the build and, uh, yeah, he you was know, he was very integral with the build for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I and I'm sort of wondering if that's where the Venice Pavilion uh influence kind of comes from Jim a little bit. Being there early in the week to help produce the ramps um and you know bringing his riders out and I'm sure his riders the Dogtown guys Eric D and everybody Aaron Murray yeah. they're like, "Well, this is kind of what we've been doing down at the Pavilion." So, I think that factors in a little. Steve, so you getting to skate the course, was there a certain obstacle that you thought was great or was there one thing that was maybe the most fun to skate like i know that long pvc slider like i just wanted to slide that thing all day long that was super fun i like the handrail thing you know because i was already starting to get into that so i was really stoked to skate that uh, yeah, you were yeah, an early handrail guy yeah there were only a there yeah. were a, only a few guys that were doing the handrail um steve was definitely one of them lance um i think cab gone's for sure christian tony kind of like 
your usual suspects, but everybody else was either, you know, kind of just doing an acid drop off the end of the box or a boneless or something. I mean, it was intimidating. And like, it was, yeah, it was just a painted two by four rail. It wasn't metal. It wasn't PVC or I'm sure it wasn't waxed. I mean, the guys probably might've lubricated it with the rail or whatever, but yo, that thing was raw. I think the plan was to put PVC on it and then Lance did a couple of test runs. And I think he just said, <laughs> no, just, just leave it like it is. It'll be <laughs> yeah. slippery. It'll be a Mark did 50-50s down it, and I remember going like, oh, wow, you didn't, he wasn't worried about getting really this stuck. And back then, you didn't really wax anything. It yeah. was uncool yeah. to wax anything. Yeah. Like I think it was just, yeah. it might have been the paint. They definitely painted it. In the uh, segment in the video where they show them building the ramps, they show, I guess it's probably Lance's sketch or something for the handrail. They show in the drawing, yeah. there's stairs. There would have been yeah. like stairs going down the handrail, but I guess they just skipped that there's some stuff they just scrap because yeah time it takes a lot of time to cut a cut a couple of stringers out of uh you know a two by ten for a flight of stairs how long was that build process to to, to get that all built and set up like how how long before like from when you rented the hall uh, the build and then the tear down okay okay when we got in there i think it was about three days that's really oh, wow. three days yeah oh it was wow. fast you had to be because they gave us a window and yeah. there was just um before it there was we got in there very quickly because um, there was a Aerosmith concert and, <laughs> oh, wow. the, the, before the wedding. And I remember um, some of the like, Thrasher guys going, oh, man, if we know we would have come out early and we would have <laughs> yeah. used our press passes, you know, and got a story out of them or something. So, yeah. Anyway. So rad. Well, I also awesome. see like um, kind of in the one of the early on in the in the video, they show the Civic Center Arena sign in the back of the building. And I was looking at the schedule, the other events that are um, were going to happen in August of 87. There was a wrestling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a gig that was going <laughs> to happen later in the month. And then like some sort of a stunt show, I think, is listed on the uh, on the sign, too. But it said, yes, August 15 Pro Street Style Contest. So, Jason, when you and your buddies uh, show up to the event, like what's what's the vibe like out outside? Are you guys excited? Like what's the whole scene uh, that you're seeing? Well, we're hyped for sure. We're also excited that it's indoor because it's August 15 in Savannah, which uh, means <laughs> yeah. that it was probably 90 degrees uh, with about 137 percent humidity. Um, yep, sounds about so, right. Yep, it's it's <laughs> you know normal for that time of year. So we're excited that it's going to be inside, that it's not going to be rained out. We won't be sweating to death. Then we're kind of surprised that the scope of this venue. I mean, we're they haven't opened the doors yet. We've just arrived from a two-hour drive uh, with a like I said, a station wagon full of skate rats. And um, then we notice how many people are queued up in front of the arena, and we're like, this is like a big deal. Like there are a lot of people here. There are a lot of people that are come from, you know, all over the Southeast to, um, to see this event. And then we start to see uh, a couple of pro skaters, you know, come and flying by going to the back of the building. And then I think that's when we start to get kind of excited because we start like, Oh my God, was that Gons that just skated by? I, you know, up to this point, none of us had ever really seen uh, these guys outside of the context of magazine still photos or, you know, skateboard videos from the local skate shop. So seeing this stuff in person and the stuff I'm about to witness that day, it's so transforms your perception of skateboarding in, in a way that's like impossible to describe. Because you've always seen just like still photos and you've seen the videos, but when they open those arena doors and you come into the arena for the first time, 
and these guys are already getting loose and it's open practice and there's 30 of the the marquee guys i mean from north america that are attacking this street course that you've never seen before it is such a sensory overload it's it's insane it's completely insane i can imagine uh where did you guys post up in the con or did you move around i'm trying to it was think. general admission thankfully so you were able to wander all over the arena guys hitting all these obstacles from every direction and, and every two seconds you were seeing something completely rad i mean it was just like i couldn't believe i just couldn't believe it it was just insane it's the opening montage in the video i think does a really good job of kind of capturing that what seeing that open practice was like because it was just the guys coming up the wall ramps guys flying off the launch ramps and in 87 you know street style was predominantly jump ramps and wall rides it was you know and some curb skating of course but this handrail thing was still kind of new especially if you were an east coast kid and you were you know of average skill i mean that was like sort of way beyond the scope of your your abilities for most people Where, what was the hot spot to hang out by the big wall ramp was that where where everybody wanted to be well the top of the wall ramp where the where the wall ramp was was flush and guys were just doing the huge cess slides and stuff was pretty amazing because yeah even in practice christian was getting really close to touching the top edge of the wall that was amazing uh but really anywhere that you could see the the handrail box and and because there were the the arenas in the the arena floor is in the center of the arena like a like a like a coliseum there's there's seating all the way around so you could get a 360 view of 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 the course really from from the stands above and the fact that it was so elevated too above the arena floor was a didn't give you a sense of the the scale of the obstacles you know what i'm saying because you're mm -hmm. you're 10 or 15 feet above the arena floor so these guys look like pretty small down there but it was still it was it was rad it was super rad i mean it was so rad i came back to 88 and i came back in 89 so i went to all three and it was because this my, my experience at this first one was so insane well, I think we should uh, pop in the tape and I'll kind of do a little play by play of the, how the video plays out and then we can all just kind of comment. There you go. VHS Let's right do there. it right here. So the video starts out with uh, we get a little narrated history lesson about Savannah, Georgia and uh, Fort Pulaski. And the narrator is credited to Richard Damage aka dick damage <laughs> um, he, he has an earlier credit in uh the search for animal chin who edits the uh the johnny rad party in animal chin is credited to uh dick damage oh and the narration was written by uh jim fitzpatrick dick damage is dennis dragon of the shirt books yes so Matt and I were talking about the other day because I was trying to fi figure out like, all right, who is Dick Damage? And then we remembered the 70s film Skateboard Madness. Dennis Dragon has a short appearance in that video and his oh, wow. character's name is Dick Damage, who is portrayed as the world's oldest skateboarder. So in oh, a way, no way, they're kind of, it's like this animal chin thing going on where oh. Dick Damage is like the animal chin in this movie and they're driving around in Cadillac. It's like, it's like this recycled animal chin thing. But anyway, Dick Damage is uh, Dennis Dragon. And we've got some cool B-roll of the city and some of the, the scenic sites. And there's some fun shots of Lance doing a ho-ho and a boneless, the nose pick. You can even see towards the end of the part, you even see uh, Steve skating outside the event when they zoom in on the on the sign. Tim, did you go along? I think uh, 
Jim Fitzpatrick is credited as the second unit director. So I think he was in charge yeah, of this. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, Jim, I think he had just got hired from Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was kind of a new guy, you know, promotions guy. For him. So that was like his first project was to come out. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with those guys. Just like they'd want me to just drive them around Savannah, check stuff out. Um, I remember I actually went um, surfing with Jim and Lance and Stacy at the North Jetty here. No way. Um, on Tybee. Yeah, it, it was really cool. It was, it was like surreal. <laughs> And it was just like waist high chop, but you know, it's a point break, but it's, you know, yeah, but they were pretty... like, yo, this water is so warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember it wasn't a great wave. It was fun. And there, it was just after we were working all day on the ramps and Stacy was just like, you can't go surfing around here, can you? I go, absolutely. I have a surf dock, you know? And he's like, that is so, can you go? So, it was really cool. And I was just like in all these guys, I think um, yeah. Stessic was out. He had a, like a surf mat he'd brought along with him or something oh, um, and then and then and then lance was out lance was not enjoying himself he proclaimed surfing sucks um, <laughs> <laughs> and stacy was trying to calm him down like oh it's cool man we're just getting wet you know and yeah yeah so i actually got to surf with stacy Peralta on tybee so that is wow. so it was, it was a, yeah. it was like an, an honor and um he was so cool because the waves weren't that great but he was like you know he was he I, I was almost apologetic. Well, I wish it was better. And he goes, no, it's cool, man. Like, it was so nice to me. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, they didn't have to have uh, no wetsuits because uh, the water temperature would have been 78 degrees. Hey, Larry, I want to uh, mention that opening montage uh, mm-hmm. of the video. You know, you see this sort of, um, they show uh, Fort Pulaski in a couple shots, which is a Civil War era fort on the way out to Tybee uh, outside of Savannah. Um, but we see these this collage of kind of like, deep south americana like there's fried chicken signs and there's street signs and they're these these themes that we kind of see through stessic's eyes all the way going back to bones brigade video show uh and 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 future primitive and even there's like the is a really well-known gigantic brick uh wall in downtown savannah off price street that's a big coca hand-painted coca-cola sign that may still be there it was definitely there in the late 80s and early 90s but uh you know, it's exactly like seeing the Coca-Cola sign that, you know, Sean Mortimer had pointed out in, in video show. And so you have this like a very sort of common aesthetic with Stesic behind the camera and the things that he's focusing in on. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I noticed when I watched the video again is we have a shot of a tombstone with Stesic's Air Jordan stepping on top of the tombstone, <laughs> which we will then see again later in public domain, which will be produced the following year. I just thought that was kind yeah, of uh, that's right. kind wow. of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I never yeah, really, yeah. good job colonial center carry downtown yeah i love that kind of opening intro i kind of even uh i made a documentary film i don't even know 15 20 years ago and i kind of ripped off this beginning narration about my hometown and stuff <laughs> tried to mimic the writing well style you have this um they have this kind of a pastoral kind of voiceover right um that's meant to be very tongue-in-cheek or very subversive because then when they cut to the skate action and it's like drunk engines and it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. just to, to help build that contrast. But yeah, I love that very subversive kind of pastoral narrative that they, that they have for the, uh, the voiceover. It's uh, super rad. Um, yeah, that was, they, they talked about like doing that. I remember, I just heard like Dennis and Stacy and I had, um, Jim Fitzpatrick talking about, you know, doing that, that kind of montage, that segment, but, but they want to be careful. They want to make it tongue in cheek, but they want to make sure they weren't, making fun of savannah you know so they're trying to kind of ride that I th- line or... i think they hit the right note where they're kind of showing some kind of archetypical 
visuals of Savannah without being patronizing or, or condescending. Yeah. And that's yeah. coming from someone who would then, me, who would go on to live in that downtown and that historic district for the you know preceding 15 years. So, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with the, with the area and the culture there. So for somebody to sort of have that perspective and, and present it in a way that was fairly accurate and just being there for a couple of days, I think they were very successful with that. So Tim, if you were over their shoulder, kind of like as their, uh, what do they call it? A continuity coach. I think you did a good job. I was just in awe of those guys. I was just mm-hmm. kind of like a, just a shy kid going, I don't want to say anything wrong. I want these guys to think I'm pretty cool. So I'll, I'll be careful. <laughs> but I, yeah, I did a lot more listening than talking for sure. <laughs> Getting around those guys. Hey, was it a known thing that they were going to produce and release this video or was it maybe like, oh, they're just filming the documented oh, or. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. I found an earlier in the deal, which is just basically a handshake deal with, with Fosto. He, he mentioned that Stacy wanted to, because um, with a lot of those contests, all three of the Savannah Sam contests, and I think a lot of other contests, they would sell the video rights to help recoup some money on the cost. And um, Fosto had mentioned that Stacy wanted to retain the video rights of the Savannah Sam one. So I got, you know, I got excited. So I was like, oh, wait, Stacy's going to shoot this. Wow. Yeah. You know, that, it, so that it was makes my, big, big yeah, difference my, because yeah. the other two companies that produced, produced the videos for Savannah Slamma 2 and Savannah Slamma 3, they go more in depth in terms of like showing beginning to end contest runs, but like having Stessic's graphics and everything for this yeah, first one to me is just artistic. like, yeah. yeah, it's the best one for sure. And it's a, it's like a documentary film about the event in the city. You know, it's really cool. It is, but it's only 28 minutes. So that keeps it like right in that sweet spot where you mm-hmm. still want more at the end, which is what you always want to have as like a creative person. You leave your audience always craving a little bit more. Nice. So after the the narration, we've got this explosive opening skate montage. I jotted down a few couple tricks that caught my eye. I mean, everyone is going off and ripping one thing, Eddie Radigi off the smaller launch ramp, the wall, you know, it's like front side and he like yanks back in over the deck. I thought that was kind of a rare thing because usually we'd turn off to the side and go to the flap, but the yank off the wall and go back down the ramp. I thought that was pretty awesome. Tony Hawk ollies off the launch ramp and he does like a no handed method ollie like he ollies and like tweaks it back method and then like brings it back without his hands. It's like it's like really weird looking. I've never seen anything like that. Gans does that nollie off the little loading dock. We used to call that a Chinese ollie, but I think that was the first time I saw that. Roscop goes way high up on that air and does like a frontside air Looked pretty gnarly. Um, those are just a few that I jotted down. I don't know if anyone else has any comments on that part. Imagine being a, a young skateboarder who walks into the arena and sees all these guys just going at it like that, like you see in the opening montage, and you don't even know where to look because it's happening in like at every direction. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's just so insane. You know, most of the time we're watching Gons because we already know that Gons is the man and he's doing things that are creative but also just in a he's just approaching everything so much differently than everyone else you know one of the things that jim muir had mentioned to me on the phone this week was some of the vert guys that came to this contest were really struggling to adapt Mm -hmm. and some of the other guys had no problem which is interesting so you have you mentioned radigi kind of coming up the quarter pipe hitting a wall ramp 
grabbing front side, coming back in on the same quarter pipe. Like that's a great example of somebody who's adapting. Yeah. I have a, I could share a quick story of someone who did not adapt was uh, <laughs> Mike V told me that Tom Gerholsky drove down from New oh, Jersey. Yeah. He walks in with his board and he kind of looks around and he was just like, Hey Mike, what's up? And, and Mike was like, Oh, Tom, you know, you going to skate. And he kind of looked around a little more. He's like, Nope. And he just got back in his pickup truck and drove right back to New Wow. <laughs> That's a long drive up I-95 back to Jersey, man. There were a few guys that did that. I, I don't want to name, name her. Yeah. They just kind of, they didn't know. It was Come like on, a new contest. They didn't, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't know what they're, they didn't know what they're getting into really. Yeah. Again, mentioning that handrail, I feel like that was kind of a, a dividing line for a lot of guys was once that handrail came in, you know, it was like the 540 invert. Like if you had it, you're going to be a top five guy. If you did the handrail in the street contest, you could be a top five guy. Yeah. But after that montage, we go to a segment of the ramp building. And uh, here we see TK and his girlfriend, Marie. We got Lance, Kevin Thatcher, Jim Muir, Brian Ware, Bob DeNike, and a few others building the ramps. Uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but it definitely gives off a playing it by ear vibe, you know, just like, let's just make some weird stuff and see what happens. Yeah. Is this Bryce Knights in some of this footage too, wearing like a, I don't know, a little baseball cap flipped up? I think that's Bob DeNike from okay. NHS. Okay. Yeah, I think it is. Tim, were you involved with the building or the painting or the graffiti oh, or anything? absolutely uh i didn't do so much of the painting or whatever but i did a lot of a lot of framing and a lot of a lot of plywood a lot of nailing down that plywood and like yeah. i remember working on an object with todd hastings and just like pounding now nail after nail after nail after nail mm -hmm. and both kind of looking at each other going this is taking forever and i just remember having you know blisters on our hands and stuff like that but it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't so much involved in the design or anything like that. I would just go, uh, maybe a couple things I'd go, this would be cool, but not much of that. It was just basically just labor <laughs> yeah. just going at it. Was there any experimentation with the layout of the ramps or did they just put them? Yeah, we they... did play with them a while. We got sandbags for them um, and we, they did, we did play them a while. I think, you know, Lance, that was, Lance was more, was really involved in that like trying to think this out how did you do a line and that sort of thing a lot of things were tweaked right up to the contest and even like, like the gons did the handrail he literally the, the reverse handrail what do you call it going up a handrail mm -hmm. he went and just grabbed the jump ramp from somewhere else and moved it there and started doing it and i think it was kind of like a similar thing to like tony's 900 because i think it was the end of his run and then he just started trying it and people are like, Oh, he almost made it. And so I think he did it in like three or four tries, but it's like, yeah, no, let's just let him go. Let's just let him go. He's going to do yeah. it. And so, yeah. So that, that one clip is the, you know, the make from that one. Yeah. So, it's insane. I sent, <laughs> uh, I had a photo uh, from the stands that I sent to Larry um, of the, of him going up the handrail and it's just, uh, yeah, it's insane. And they show it in the video and for sure. I mean, it was such a face melter. It was insane. Uh, what I wanted to mention too, is, you know, it's amazing that, at, at this point that Lance is so involved with sort of the, the design and the construction of these, you know, temporary skateboard parks. I mean, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, you know, he'd already published the Thrasher ramp building guide at this point that came out yeah, in yeah. maybe 84, 85. Um, and he's, you know, even up to this day, he's very involved with uh, skate park construction and, and, and design and, and pools and all this stuff. And uh, 
you know, it's just, uh, it's amazing how hands-on he's been in terms of helping to steer that ship over the years in skateboarding and, and, and exert his influence there too. So uh, thank you, Lance. Yeah, my best recollection is that he was really integral in the, in the you know, the design and the layout. He was the first, he was like the test pilot, he was the first guy. It was really humbling because, uh, you know, the wall, the ramp up to the wall, Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool because I just got on the wall and then it was humbling or Lance goes like four feet up the wall and you go, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, why that's why you're professional, but we left this contest and uh, drove back to Charleston and then we went to our local skate spot, which was a, a basketball court full of quarter pipes. And we started rearranging our stuff based on like what we had just seen and trying yeah, to replicate yeah, yeah. that. And so like that immediately same day as a, you know, as a spectator, we went back to our, our hometown and we tried to kind of catch some of that vibe in our in our own setup so yeah it was that's, like that's so cool it made you think about lines rather than totally just hitting something yeah, yeah and then keeping that speed so you wouldn't have to push so much between obstacles so we built like a pump ramp in the middle we made our own bane ramp eventually i mean all that stuff wow, that's so cool i also like the uh the funny clips of them playing baseball down on the arena floor you know it's like oh Stacy's yeah. batting, Craig is the pitcher, and Red Dog is pitching. It's just like, wow, yeah. it's like Dogtown's playing baseball in Savannah. It's yeah. Dogtown versus Powell. Dog yeah, there you versus go. Powell. Yeah. NorCal, SoCal. It, yeah. It was such hard work. It really was a lot of hard work that had to be crammed into just you know, a couple, mostly a couple of days. And so there was like a lot of breaks with just like playing for a minute. There's a lot of Frisbee going on. I remember playing Frisbee with Dennis Dragon. Mm-hmm. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're um, I think we ended up go, like going up into the stands and winging frisbees, see if we could get it all the way across the way. <laughs> so that yeah, there's some quick. It was you know we had some quick. I guess I don't know what do you call it, mental health break for a minute where they just play around playing like a mock baseball stickball game and throwing frisbees around, whatever. <laughs> do you still feel Tim at this point like when you guys are building the ramps? Do you still feel like you're under the gun in terms of? making this event happen are you still kind of full of anxiety of like what have i done is this too much oh, to sort of chew oh, definitely and i was like is anybody gonna show up i mean they did they did promote it and if people didn't show up i was pretty screwed i was i was i was out a lot of money um right for 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 a kid at the time i think i was only 19 or 20 i was yeah. 20 i think by the time and so yeah there was a lot of anxiety with that like is this gonna come together and it was almost surreal, you know, meeting industry moguls and you're pounding nails with them or going to lunch with them. You're kind of, oh, this is, this is surreal. And then, but it didn't really become real till like the writers started showing up and you're like, whoa, this is going to be something. going to happen. <laughs> and like, I remember having to run back to my shop for an errand or something like that. And somebody called the shop. I can't remember who called the shop. And they said, Tim, Christian just arrived. You're not gonna believe what he's doing. Get down here. You gotta see. There that. you go. Yeah, so it was. Yeah. I was like, so that's when it all became a reality for me. Going, well, this thing really came together, you know. Like, and of course, you went down there, and Christian was just completely blowing mind. So was it all? Was it all walk-up sales, or was there pre-sales? Uh, it was mostly walk-up sales. Some people, I think, we sent. You could buy them from the shop. You could send mm-hmm. the money to the shop. I but you think. didn't really have a good sense of how many people no, we were going to have. No, there. it was mostly walk-up sales. We we did have a lot of people. I think we had a, an ad in Thrasher and people could send uh, for information. And so we had these like, 
we'd make up a little booklet with like places you could stay and stuff like that. Um, cool. no, none cool. of the hotels would sponsor it because <laughs> uh-huh. they were like, what are you talking about? Or they thought if this goes bad skateboarding contest, maybe there's going to be uh, vandalism or something like that. So none of the hotels would touch it as a, like a sponsor. Or like The other thing that's important to kind of put into context is how small the historic district of Savannah is and that the yeah. civic center is in the middle of the historic district. So when you have hundreds of out of town skate rats who have now set loose on the sidewalks and the streets mm-hmm. where there's all, yeah. you know, there's horse drawn yep. carriages coming by the mm-hmm. civic center, getting <laughs> spooked by kids trying to nose pick the curb. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I can understand why local businesses would be very, very apprehensive about getting involved yeah. Um, yeah. because really sleepy, quiet town. I mean, it's really, really a small town at this point. Well, and you got to remember like what the, what the sort of the, the way that people looked at skate skating back then too, was very like, these are young punks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, and in two or three, they definitely wanted to be involved. <laughs> they wanted to, they wanted to, uh, yeah. Their I mean, we, <laughs> we took over, we took over the hotel across the street for the pre the, the following two years. And that eventually then became a SCAD dormitory, which exactly, I yeah. Yeah. lived in my first year at art school, the o, o house there, Oglethorpe house. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is crazy time, because I was, you know, running up and down the halls with all the pros of the previous two years because they were, you know, kind of partying before the contest. And definitely after the contest. <laughs> and definitely after the contest, yeah. yeah. So the next segment in the video is uh, entitled Talk, and that's some quick out in the parking lot interviews with uh, Kevin Thatcher. Um, I love that he calls street skating street activity. Um, we've got Eric Dressen, Bryce Knights, Christian Hosoy, Chris Bauckham. I hope I'm saying yeah. his name right. Yeah, Chris That's Bauckham. right. Yep. Yep. Him and Monty Nolder were the first pros to show up. Yeah, they're from Florida. So they're uh, like yeah. Monty would have been Schmidt sticks already, but Bauckham, I think, was on Walker at yeah, that point. I was going to say Walker. And then uh, TK again and his girlfriend, uh, Marie. Tommy K, man. But yeah. he shaves the mustache. No mustache. You may not <laughs> recognize him from previous videos. Yeah. What a legend that guy is just from these these little cameos. But Chris Bauckham has got this wild rant uh, that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> good. He's it is fired good. up. Yeah, we're I guess that we're gonna have to insert that rant. Yeah, here. I can put it in, in there. Um, yeah. I could probably even recite it, but I'm not gonna do that right now. <laughs> this is a street contest, and people are supposed to be spontaneous here, but they're not spontaneous here. Now let's put up another one and have a half pipe contest. It'll be more fun and watch Christian do high backside airs. Cool, lots of backside airs. Isn't that ripping? Let's all do backside airs. One footed backside airs, air walks, air walks behind the back, air walk, put the board in the middle, air, blah, blah, just have fun. Um, it's, it's supposed to be more fun. We should have fun. Nobody should worry about what lines they're going to do. They should dr- just just skate. Yeah. Crowd, crowds, crowds don't know anything. They do a frontside slide and roll. They won't know what it is. Do a blunt. They, they won't even know what it is. Do a fake alley off of a launch ramp. They won't know what it is. Also, Christian, he's very affected, man. He's yeah. like a little bit too cool for school, just trying to, it looks kind of high too, but I mean, you know, who knows? It's, uh, he's just like, you know, it could be a street contest. Uh, it's just uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He says it's going to be a more of an obstacle contest. Yeah. Street contest. Yeah. And then but, I think like when Bauckham is ranting, I'm pretty sure that's Everett Rosecrans in the yes, background. Like, it is, it is. coming yeah, out and getting something out of the trunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we've got the face segment. And I guess it's just kind of like an introduction, quick cut of uh, just about everybody that was at the event. And uh, I'm going to 
go insane and read you the list of uh, who they show. We've got Bryce Knights, Eddie Radigi, Mark Gonzalez, Klaus Grabke, Bill Danforth, Steve Caballero, John Thomas, a uh, very rare uh, Gary Scott GSD. Davis sighting. Yep. Tommy Guerrero, Aaron Fingers Murray, Christian Hasoy. Nadas was there. I guess he didn't skate. He had maybe a broken ankle or something. Kevin Thatcher, John Grigley, Monty Nolder, Chris Cook. Mike V, who that's actually the first time he was ever referred to as Mike V right there yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, Corey O'Brien, Per Wellander, Mike McGill, Steve Rocco, uh, the photographer O, Johnny Cop, Tony Hawk, Mofo, who they show who always looks so scary to me. Oh, I know. Dude. The headband and the it. sunglasses. He just, <laughs> the aviator sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he's probably one of the nicest guys there. Yeah, yeah. he is. Mofo's awesome. Lance Mountain, C.R. Stesic III, which after saying, uh, crediting, you know, saying his name as C.R. Stesic III, I think I'm now going to refer to myself as L.P. Ransom II. Okay. Um, and we've got What John... was your dad's name? Was your dad's name L.P. Ransom? Yes, it is. And he <laughs> didn't want to name me Junior because he said that would make him Senior and Senior sounded <laughs> old. So it's like, we'll just make him the second. Okay. We'll yep. call you Deuce. We'll call you Deuce. Go ahead, Larry. <laughs> And then uh, John Lucero and Rob Roscop. Lucero, man. Yep. Love Lucero. Then we cut to an opening, mon or uh, sorry, a montage of the crowd beginning to assemble on the Civic Center steps. And uh, I'm in the background of a couple of these shots, which kind of blew my mind because I'm like holding my camera bag because I was there to shoot. I had a little zine that I did at the time. So I was there with my 35 millimeter camera there to shoot photos. And then one of those clips showed up in the uh, the new Tony Hawk HBO doc um, till the wheels fall off where I'm in the background oh. uh, again. So I'm yeah, they recycled oh, cool. a little clip. Yeah. Yeah. Cameo by our own uh, <laughs> Jason Filippo. But I love these. You just get you know, it's almost like I kind of think about uh, the Trashmore segment in Future Primitive, where they're just like talking to locals and that everyone's totally. just saying crazy stuff. And these little get those reactions. Yeah, shots. you get these these little you know Ooh. these answers are like <laughs> engraved in your head. You know, they must just be asking like you know who's your favorite skater? What are you doing here? And and then you got the Southern draw, Caballero, yeah, Steve Caballero. <laughs> We're doing this for our parents. We love our parents. But um, the one guy with, uh, he's got glasses and a blue hat. I think that's Don Hillsman from Atlanta. Yep, that's Don Hillsman. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, for sure. And then when they're interviewing the guy next to him, Don is <laughs> playing with his hair, but forever <laughs> and ever, I thought it was the guy playing with his own hair, like while he was talking. And then one and day I noticed, him. I was like, yeah. wait, that's the guy yep. next to him playing with this other guy's hair. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. And Don is I, uh, an artist for uh, DC and Marvel comics now. That's um, amazing. Pretty, pretty rad. Yeah. And in the background over the shoulder, you can see the the hotel there across the street, which would become the uh, Savannah College of Art and Design dormitory that just a couple of years after this was shot. I think I was pretty surprised. I mean, you get the, the super brand name guys, the answers like, you know, who do you want the win? But you also get like Sam Cunningham and Andy Howell and stuff, which I thought was yeah. really cool that you know, those guys had fans, you know. Well, those guys are from Atlanta. I mean, yeah, that's Hillsman true. was from Atlanta. The guy mm -hmm. with the crazy hair, I'm assuming is from Atlanta because I don't know, maybe Don Hillsman's is touching strangers hair. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just assuming that he's some other dude from Atlanta because Andy at that point lived in Atlanta. Um, and that's, you know, because that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of an obscure person to name that like, oh, uh, Andy's because Andy was the ripper for sure. 
but I don't know. He wasn't even pro yet, was he? I guess he was pro at this contest, but um, yeah, he didn't skate in it. Well, I think he turned pro at the that Carson Velodrome contest. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if yeah. that was before or after, but it was that was the 87 too, that contest, I think. I mean, there's a really interesting vortex on the, the nine club when Andy was on and he talks about his experience at this contest and he was really kind of hoping to get on Powell. Um, but it didn't wasn't really working out and he just was super bummed. And I think that's one of the reasons why he uh, didn't participate in the contest. But, for those super skate nerds that want to find out, it's, yeah, Nine Club, Andy Howell. Yeah, it's the first time I met Andy, too. I, I've heard of him, and I like the fact that he was skated vert and street. Yeah. And uh, came up to me at practice, and he asked me about getting on pal. I didn't know who he was at all. Wow. Like, I was just skating, and it was kind of all overwhelming for me. And I was like, I just went into tour mode. Like, when people come up to us, I kind of, we always have this, like, pre-designated, like, well, here, send in a videotape. Da, 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 da. He seemed he was just super turned off by that. And I go, okay. I'll introduce you to our team manager. He's right over here. And, and that he was kind of it off. Yeah. And I was like, wow. awesome. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow. And it wasn't until later that Lance told me like who he was. Because I, I think he's I think he snuck on, got in to skate. Yeah, in, he snuck in the into place. the arena. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He snuck yeah, in. I, so. I um pair recognized them. Yeah, uh, and Pear goes, oh, that's Andy. He's trying to get on our team. He said, uh, Tim, like, talk to the cop because we had a cop. There's a cop outside. I remember Pear going, oh, that's Andy Howell. He's he might get on our team. Talk to the cop. Make sure he gets in. So then we segue into the skaters who ripped section. And before the kind of the skating starts, you've got a little. It looks like a, a little meeting, almost like you know, like everyone's like listening to Kevin Thatcher, it sounds like. And uh, Gons comes in the screen. He's like, hi, my name is Mark Gonzalez. My agent is William Morris. And that's the first time I've ever heard of the William Morris agency. I don't even know what that is. Me, me too. <laughs> yeah. And they have, you know, some overviews of the, you know, up above looking down onto the, the contest uh, scene. It's pretty cool. Jason, were you wearing a vision shirt? Do you remember what uh, shirt you were wearing? No, I was not. Okay, because uh, they kind of pan around to the crowd, and I yeah. thought I saw you, and your kid was wearing a, a vision shirt. But no, I don't think I was. I had on a white t-shirt of some sort, a white short sleeve, but I don't remember the graphic. But it wouldn't have been a vision t-shirt because uh, I wasn't a vision. Well, no, I was skating Gon's boards then. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess it's possible. I'll show you the part, and maybe later, okay. and then you can figure it out. I like in this over overview of the floor, though they show the one of this little ramps that they made. It's almost like a little wedge ramp with like a piece of coping on the side, and yeah. on the and on it oh, is yeah. spray painted "Green Eggs and Ham Let Skating Die." Yeah, <laughs> which is my favorite piece of graffiti from the the contest. Uh, um, one of my favorite piece of ramp graffiti was on the box with the bank to box it said somewhere on it and I don't even know if you can see it on any of the video shots but somebody wrote golf is not good oh yeah I was just about <laughs> I to remember you, that I, I, remember, I think you can see I've never seen that and go who did that you know <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple one is uh my home is Southgate, and I'm guessing yes. you know, Mark Gonzalez is for from sure. Southgate. Gons. Yeah. And then at the top of the drop-in ramp, it's like Mark loves Lance. Yeah. <laughs> instead of love, it just has the heart. It was pretty cool. But speaking of that roll-in ramp, during this little part in the videos, when they show the video of that kind of iconic group shot. Yes. Um, which I love so much. I bought a print of it off Mofo like 10 years ago. Yeah, I got one but right maybe, behind me. 
<laughs> that oh, that's like an alternative shot. Who took that? It's not one? the Mofo one. Okay. It's not the Mofo one, but that's the Tim Malin's uh, disposable camera that I bought at the drugstore when I had Fausto uh, in the car on his I, first visit. I think that probably is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is. So, uh, Tim and Steve, can you maybe talk a little bit about how? I mean, it's probably hard to wrangle that many skaters together at once. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how that came together? Whose idea was it to like, hey, let's get everyone together for a group? I, I think it's after there's a shot they just showed us. I just pulled it up. Um, there's a shot where they had everybody in the stands where they were talking about the contest, like the rules or how they're going to run it. Yep, yep. They got everybody together. That took forever. And everybody started skating. I'm like, I'm an amateur. I just kept skating the thing whatsoever by myself. And they're like, Sash, get up here. You can't be the only like, I'm not entering. So we went up there. And then I just remember, yeah, they were just trying to get like, okay, let's get a photo of everybody. I don't know, Tim, do you remember whose idea it was? But yeah, it took a um, while to get everybody to it did together um, for that photo. Kevin, I think we, by, by that time we had um, PA system hooked up and uh, Kevin Thatcher was kind of the MC or whatever. So he would um, try to wrangle everybody on the microphone. I mean, but everybody there could not look more disinterested at that point. Yeah, I think the spirit was just, just take the picture and we can get back yeah. to practicing. Okay. But man, it, it is such... Uh, iconic photo i mean not a ton of people know it but just the fact that 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 single group photo and seeing that's almost all of the pros that there are in the industry at yeah that that's like time. almost everybody it's, it's crazy yeah. 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 Except that, yeah except for was, holsky yeah he's only uh i wish you would have stuck around <laughs> yeah he would have yeah. ripped too man like yeah, he would. You know, killed. he probably would have been able to grind the top wall, maybe do an yeah. end up on there. Yeah, on the ledge. He would have yeah. Still. yeah, that Mark photo Mark always Mark reminded me of the uh, the, Al the Alva Boys photo. You know, the classic Alva Boys photo. It's like just that perfect moment in time snapshot. You know. Yeah, there are fewer leather jackets in this shot, though. Yeah, a lot, lot less leather, but and dreadlocks, but you know. I used to uh, pride myself on being able to name everybody you know without like cheating or having to look at the caption or whatever this is a good way to impress girls in junior high school look at oh yeah, yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> i can name 30 skaters check me out um but then we kick into some skating here we've got uh mike mcgill kicks it off uh we've got just the mess who's now on vision uh for a short time in between powell and world industries chris cook john thomas uh, Mike V, Tony Hawk, John Lucero, Adrian Domain, Steve Rocco, Sam Cunningham, GSD, Ken McGuire, and Chris Bauckham. I did comment on a few tricks. Chris Cook does that 50-50 attempt on the handrail. It kind of just like someone, maybe someone's holding the board and he tries to like jump on it. I thought that was... Let's call it a caveman 50-50. Yeah. yeah. John Thomas does the JT Air. Uh, Mike V does that fakey ollie to tail, which was like... Yeah pretty Dude, wild that was mega it was yeah. so tall. that was even edge at the time even the thrasher magazine article kind of like highlights that he's also has a broken elbow he's got uh elbow pad on his right arm yeah. and he instead of he does the 360 air off the launch ramp but he's grabbing front side and but turning backside so like a yep. 360 indie so he said that was the only time he had ever done that just because his other arm didn't work John Lucero does the shopping cart. Adrian Domain's got that oh. wild hair. I always think of that trans world <laughs> yes. uh, caption, hair farmer, whenever I would see him. It's like Adrian Domain, the hair farmer. You skipped over Tony. Happy belated birthday, Tony. Uh, 
he does oh, a he Madonna over like yeah. a hip kind in of the, thing. It's crazy. Over the hip uh, on that bank that was super, you know, steep. There was only like two or three guys that even hit that thing. Um, but he also does the handrail. So it's like, yeah, McGill does the handrail cons- too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but Tony's obviously very contest focused still at this point in his career. So he's going to kind of, you know, put in the effort to do whatever it takes to, to get a good result. They did like a 360 shove it over a slide or a curb yeah or slider and um that's pretty legit street at the time yeah. for sure yeah i'm, I'm still blown away with the cooksey trying the caveman 50 50 thing yeah that yeah. i mean <laughs> for, to to think about even sliding a rail or like something like that and all that steepness i go that was just just to even try i was like man you were just trying to make something happen and that's where skateboarding basically <laughs> you know ends up going you know yeah. just skating up big handrail steep and you know long i was i was blown away by that i, I was going what what is cooksy trying a freaking nutball but <laughs> that's, that's still pretty rad <laughs> i mean i was stoked on on seeing gsd and Corey o'brien because those guys i mean i kind of was into their style it's a little more proto goth with like wearing all black and shit but um <laughs> i had watched the nsa contest series the oceanside like 85 like the beach attack or whatever it was called mm-hmm. and like seeing a lot of these same guys now in the flesh i was like oh man is gsd you know he skated the pistols and the the beach attack video and you know i was just i was into it even though those guys weren't doing anything that was that tech the stuff that they were doing was looked you know they made it look good yeah you're getting some more kind of like the more rare guys that weren't in a lot of videos in this mm-hmm. segment even sam cunningham i thought was great he does like that foot plant to fakie yep. off the launch ramp onto the wall was pretty awesome he does an ollie to tail that same ledge or whatever that might be fakie ollie's to tail sam yeah. cunningham does a ollie to tail it's pretty it's really high yeah i mean it's yeah. practically like a loading dock it seems so high it's almost like it's not quite waist high but it seems like it is mark uh well Gons has that youtube channel i know this part because he Dune had sent it to me. Um, he, he, Mark had put a thing of my brother doing a nose blunt. And then right after that, there's he put a clip of Sam doing that ollie to tail on that. And that was pretty yeah. big back then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's right. He That, that was kind of big. And yeah. I'm watching the clips right now, and I totally forgot. Steve Rocco is skating in the contest, and he does a flat 360 ollie nose grab, and he does yep. an ollie air walk. And he does and, some street stuff that is basically like, oh, wow, this is, turns into the language of what people are going to start doing with skating, you know? Yeah. Because he was he was a plant lander guy, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like not even but, riding the obstacles or anything. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he's also wearing that famous UCLA kit that he bought for Nottis and Gons and Mike V, but only Rocco and Gons ended up wearing it that day because Nottis didn't skate. And then I guess Mike V got kind of you know brow beaten by stacy to not wear it too but yeah he's wearing that ucla baby blue shirt and out there doing uh doing his deal i heard they picked it up at the airport <laughs> yeah I, I mean it looks like and, it right um, and it was it was something to do they're both upset with brad dorfman <laughs> so they said, we're, we're not gonna wear any like sims or vision stuff in this contest yep. we're gonna wear well, and they just they were like they just went in the gift shop at the airport and said let's go with ucla uh, that's the way i heard it anyway <laughs> perfect and it makes sense because i mean <laughs> steve is just on the cusp the tomfoolery he is about to unleash on the industry for the preceding yeah. three or four years yes yeah he's starting yeah. to put his hooks into you know the top street guys that he wants yep. to take 
So after the skaters who rip, we get into the final eight and it starts, you know, at eighth place and goes up to first. So eighth place is Jeff Kendall. He does a ho-ho, but that's like, this is kind of like the end of seeing like hand plants and street plants and stuff. He's the second guy I ever saw do a, a ho-ho. First guy was Neil doing it at Del Mar. And then I thought he was there. I thought Kendall was there that day, but he said he wasn't. And then I went to some Sacto contest and I saw him do like this perfect ho-ho on this like board ledge um, thing that went up to like from small to big. And he went up, did this perfect ho-ho thing around it. And I was like, oh my God, now he's doing him on street. Wow. I think it was the first yeah. time I saw somebody do that. And I was like, but he did it clean. It was just like, boop, boop, turned around, flipped around. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because I wasn't really so much into the, the hand plant thing. <laughs> I was like rolling more. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I sucked at him too. That's probably the main reason. Yeah, I, couldn't, uh, but, I can't yeah, do him for anything. Back then. So Kendall was like, he's always one of my favorites too. I always thought he was underrated. Yeah. How good he was at, at I everything. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, Embarks are ridiculous. He had yeah. a, a street model and a ramp model out at this point. So he was already kind of known as an all-terrain guy. Yeah, I yeah. think he even maybe had the branding had transitioned to just being a street guy at one point. He, he wasn't even or maybe not even riding vert that much, but then he it almost seemed to flip back to vert, you know, yeah. a couple years later. Pretty interesting. Well, I was a big Kendall fan because I'm originally from Indiana yeah. and, uh, you know, he was a Hoosier, too. So I was always uh, he was always on my radar. Seventh place, we've got the Nomad, Bill Danforth, uh, Mongo Pushing Master. He's wearing the uh, Alva uniform, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shirtless sure. and denim. Yeah. 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 I love oh. that he does his trick. That's called my trick on the uh, on the, the little ramp going up to the big platform. Yeah. But dude, anybody wants to bag on Danforth, he's still out there doing it. So uh, respect. Hell yeah. yeah. I, did a, I did a tour with Bill. So nothing but respect for Bill. He came to Savannah a few years ago, and he just called me up out of nowhere. I started calling. He goes, hey, this is Bill Danforth. Somebody give me your number. And I was like, oh, cool. He goes, I just stopped at the Savannah Skate Park and thought I should tell you, hey. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Well, cool, man. Yeah, I just out of nowhere. He's that type, he's that type of guy, you know. I haven't talked to him in years. Uh, Stacy told me, because I, I would go into his office a lot when, you know, he's in, in Silver Lake, California, and he would always just hit me up with these little questions. What do you think about this, or what do you think about that? And He's all, who do you think is one of the best guys for skateboarding like right now? Like one of the most positive influences. And I'm like, well, I'm already hitting up the top of my head, all the, all the top guys. Right. And he's all, mm, nope. He's all, uh, I would, he's, he blew me away. He's all, that would be probably Bill Danforth in my opinion right now. I'm like, oh, Bill Danforth, <laughs> he's not even on pal. Why would you say that? <laughs> he's like, no, he, cause he saw him and you know, everybody heard the story how like just Stacy saw Tony, you know, he sees all the other stuff going on. That's why he's such a good storyteller. Like the beginning of the Savannah thing, like he's trying to tell a story, but he's looking in at what the basic roots are, what people are doing, what they're saying from here to there. He said he saw him at a demo and Bill was like, did the demo, you sign your autographs, you're going to bounce. But then afterwards he hung out and he was talking to all the kids coming up that were skating that wanted to learn something and he's showing these kids like he just ran a clinic of like here's how you do front side bonus here's how you do this how you do this and he they were he was getting them so stoked on skating like those kids that were just coming up and they just go you're the guy that just came and did a demo and you know you're the big pro and then now he's like they're 
going to be so hyped on skating because now this one guy comes out and goes like, he taught me this. I'm going to go learn it. And then you're just, you're just even more hooked. So he was so stoked on Bill Danforth for doing that too. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And I know with me, I try to, that kind of influenced me to go like, you know what, when I go skate somewhere, yeah, there might be somebody that kind of is doing something that I might be able to go, Hey dude, maybe try to learn this, try to, you know, try to do a little bit of the, the Danforth thing. Cause of what, what Stacy noticed, I, I was always so blown away by that. Wow. And that, that's Dan, awesome. and that, that Bill was like that too. You know, that's a cool, but story. the one thing though, he did probably try to teach him how to skate Mongo, which is probably a negative. <laughs> <laughs> Positive and negative. Everything balances out in life. Yeah. <laughs> but once you start skating, once you start skating switch, then you got a leg up. So, you know, yeah, that's the, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The guys that kind of yeah. did that, you know, you got to give it to Danforth though, for just being like, fuck it. Like, you don't like it. You know what I mean? Like he's that dude, and he also like I, I like how Danforth skates. Just his he skates like his 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 attitude is. You know, like whenever you see him talk or you hear an interview with him, that's like that's how he skates. He's like super aggressive. He's super like just doesn't give a fuck. And I I thought his run was awesome. Like I loved it. Mongo pushing or non, like <laughs> I thought it was great. You know. Well, Mongo at this point, Mongo is not a uh, aesthetic crime in the skateboard culture yet. It's true. It will become in like '89. It becomes like yeah, gouge my eyes out. But it's not at this point. It's not. It's not forbidden. No, no. Yeah, that '89. Nobody has ever skated. Yeah, Jeff, you, you, Jeff Phillips did it. Mongo. Yeah, Jeff Phillips said you don't rag on Phillips. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> no, you don't. No, exactly. Yeah. There was a couple pros who pushed Mongo that I didn't know because in their video parts, you know, they would cut it to where they were already done pushing and then do the trick. And then I would see him in, in real life. I'd be like, Oh my God, this dude pushes Mongo. Plus if you're a vert skater, like you don't see, you, yeah. don't, you don't see any yeah. pushing anyway. That's true. So. <laughs> Sixth place. We've got Lance mountain. Um, everyone loves Lance. He's got a great run here. I thought he was one of the great, kind of vert to street adapters you know yep absolutely man and i mean it, it's it's amazing i feel like watching lance's contest run here and he does the dive the, the face first dive onto the floor uh <laughs> yeah superman. It, it's like <laughs> yep it's great and he's got a great line and tim you were saying earlier kind of like in the building and kind of deciding where the ramps could go he's got it like really dialed in it seems yeah, like yeah i mean like, he was this to that first yeah yeah he was the first competitor to, to really skate it and get it dialed in so he, he did have a little bit of a leg up on that i'm not taking anything away from him for sure mm -hmm. i i loved his in his in his run he did uh what i would call like the most casual rail slide ever like he yeah. oh yeah that rail slide so like long, he's tired he or something kind of, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of I reminds me I, of uh the rodney mullen uh kind of does that same thing where he does that yeah. i don't know what the trick is but he gets up <laughs> yeah. on his truck and yeah. oh he's like doing yeah. a pogo yeah. and then he... yeah yeah kind of a throwback or a little call out for for rodney there i don't know if that was intentional. I, I thought it would have been funny with lance if he had like a sandwich and did like <laughs> the rail side and take a couple bites out of it yeah that would be a blender move <laughs> yeah 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 lance was i mean basically yeah like, I remember talking to, well, June said the same thing too. I always thought Lance was like the pioneer of really got street skating going out there in those first videos because he was already becoming this vert main guy that you started to hear about. And then he's in the videos, but he's just cruising around having fun. And I know for us, we were just kind of like, oh man, we could go do board slides or do whatever, whatever like Lance is doing. It seemed obtainable. You know, and then actually hitting the streets, and that's the stuff Stacy and Craig used to talk about. It's like, yeah, it's going to be, it's it's more accessible than 
you know, going to Fallbrook or going to this ramp and getting on pads or doing this whole or building a, a ramp. Street was just there. And then Lance really kind of made it seem just way more accessible, you know. And I just got credit the beginning of like street skating to to Lance a lot and the pal videos, those because totally man going around and absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like when you pan out a little bit and you think about the fact that in the Bones Brigade video show, they just have all these segments of Lance going from from spot to spot to link the linear kind of storytelling together, but then they show him adapting quickly to just you know curb cuts or a double cider or a bank or a lawn that same spirit is in his contest run here at savannah but then also when you think of the fact that fausto and stacy and the other industry guys are looking forward a year or two years to sort of the marketing trends and they're seeing that already from animal chin and future primitive they're seeing this emergence of street skating and street style because it's accessible to kids. You don't have to have a ramp or exactly. a pool or a skate park. Kids can walk out their front door. They're in business. They see the writing on that proverbial wall, which is that street skating is about to explode. You hit the nail on the head. And that's really what the contest was all about, is to showcase the world's best skaters in a sense, but riding objects and obstacles that kids could either, they already have, or they could build themselves, or if they have a dad to help them out, you know, to build this or that. Um, Rather than, you know, vert ramps at the time were so inaccessible. You'd have Absolutely. to know someone. You had to live near a park or you had to know somebody. You had, had to, to build your own. Rich, a rich parent or I don't know. Which your mom's land. car is just yeah. sitting in the garage. <laughs> and, um, and that's really how it happened because the NSA, at the, in their wisdom at the time, was they were just interested in vert contests because it was spectacular to that, you know, the average person. And that's why this con this contest wasn't sanctioned by the NSA. They, it was it was rogue in a sense. It was like yeah. the industry just said Thrasher and Paul Peralta said we're doing, we're gonna we think we should do this. And we're gonna do it anyway. A lot of these private events, even followed this one, were more interesting for me as a spectator in that target demographic than any of the NSA stuff, which yeah seemed very sort of uptight and yeah. The insurance was interesting, but I managed to get insurance down Jacksonville or whatever. It wasn't too hard to get, but one of the sticklers of it, the insurance cover attendees bring their, they didn't want skateboards in there. No spectators in the arena with skateboards. Yeah, yeah. spectators. Yeah. (laughs) And it turned out to be, I got a lot of flack for it, but it was like, I said before, I was worried about, (laughs) I was just trying to break even. So getting sued on top of that or, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have been good. So it was kind of a nightmare because, of course, and it said on the tickets, don't bring your skateboard and no videoing allowed because the video rights were a big deal at the time. Now people just video. Everybody has an HD camera sure. in their pocket. You can't. Yeah. So there ended up being a giant pile of skateboards in the lobby of the place. And I think the security just made did a makeshift sort of claim ticket, like a post-it note on yeah. like somebody a post-it window with a number. We'll stick that one on the skateboard. There was a couple of mishaps. I think three skateboards were lost and you know, I had to replace them, but it wasn't the end of the world. Fifth place, Tommy Guerrero. San Francisco's mm-hmm. finest, man. He comes out guns blazing. Tommy was like so fast and smooth at this contest. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. I mean, just look at the finesse on, on, on everything he does. I'm also a Tommy Guerrero fan, in case you couldn't tell. So, yeah, yeah, he killed it at this event, man. We also get the the only kickflip 
we see. Yep. I don't know if anyone else did it in the contest, but it's the only one in the, in the video. It's just pretty interesting to see how far the kick flips come. You know, that's got to be mm -hmm. the most basic maneuver for kids now. But now it's like only one guy can do it in 1987. And Tommy, I mean, he was ahead of his time, like things you didn't notice. I went on tour with him in 87 the first time. And the fact that him and Tony were really good at this, but like just doing really big ollies off ramps. And he was already doing ollie grab stuff. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that didn't happen for years, basically, before people started grabbing their boards. You know, I, I remember kind of when I really kind of started getting into all the grab stuff was when Matt Hensley was starting to pop up, you know, in that part of it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's, you know, she just went way bigger, just flat ollies and all the grab stuff. And nobody was doing that yep. back then. Mm -hmm. yeah we so. noticed that right away from the stands that that tommy was ollieing and it was his errors off the jump ramp and we're like whoa that's that's pretty crazy i mean it just looked it looked way better but it's just like when when tony hawk tells a story of like when he was young and not that strong and he had to kind of you know scoop his tail up over the coping and do these late grab errors and everybody was saying like oh you're cheating that's not how you do a backside error in del mar and it's just like well that's just the way i did it and then a couple of years later, everybody's scooping their airs off the coping to on, on vertical, you know, so same sort of deal. I also want to say that I'm pretty sure Tommy's skating to like Eric B and Rakim, oh, which, just brings, right. which brings just the vibe to it, which is why I think Tommy looks super comfortable because he's <laughs> skating to like EPMD or Eric B and Rakim. And just like we have the beginning of kind of the hip hop music and, and street skating kind of coming together. And then the thing that I love about Tommy's run is he grabs his board, he holds it in his air, just like he did his Sacto 85 at Future Primitive when he finishes his run. Yeah, that was in his <laughs> repertoire for sure. He does that at Oceanside Street Attack too. The, yes. You know, flip up the board and kind of salute yeah. the crowd kind of thing. So you're saying he was skating at the actual contest to that that music? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he's kind of like flowing and, and grooving. Exactly. Like there's he's going Just with imagine, the, the tunes. Imagine yeah. that Eric B beat. And okay, fourth place, Mark Gonzalez. Here we go. Dude, absolute face melter. Cut to the drunk engines, Mofo's, you know, hardcore band. And it's just yep. right off the bat, off that bank ramp. And it's just, it's I mean, I can't you you see all the other guys, they're kind of doing burts on the bank and they're grabbing their boards. Gons comes out he barely grabs his board. I mean, it's just in such a different league, the way he's skating and, and it's the stuff he's doing is, is so tech. And remember, this is a 10 by 30 log that weighs like a ton. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no kick nose on it. The nose on it's two and yeah. a half inches. And he's just, yeah. I mean, I cannot understate how insane Gon's clip is in this thing. To him, like being there at the time, it was like the only way that I can, best say it is probably it's like maybe Eddie O'Gara showing up at a contest and teaching everybody okay here's frontside rock here's a frontside invert here's an Olgario. he did like five tricks or four or five tricks nobody had ever seen before people are getting to this ramp and I remember going like oh crap we got to do the rail we got to try to do the rail you know and so they started kind of doing the rail they're getting a little sketch Mark goes and does and I've already kind of started doing rail stuff so I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, cool. You're into my territory. I, I feel good with it. But Mark came out like 50-50s, frontside board slides. I don't I don't think he tried to, he didn't do 180 to it. But no. he, did, he did like four or five tricks that it was just, he was already way comfortable and he was already totally doing it. And when he just went up there and did the frontside board side at the beginning and, and practice and all these things, I'm just going like, 
holy crap he just like <laughs> just killed it and it was like all right this is where it's all going and this is how it and not only just to do it but do it with i mean he had the best style too so yeah. it just like yeah. free flowing perfect boom and it's like that's the beginning of it like if Eddie O'Gara had that in the pool mark had it there at that thing at least to me that's what i, I saw he was just way above everybody else yeah know? and i i was stoked that when he put the ramp nick for the finals he put the ramp next to the side and board slid the side of yeah. the the box it yeah. was just kind of thinking like well you're not just thinking about you slide here you do this you do this it's like oh no there's a ledge on this edge i'm gonna slide this instead or something else like the create yeah the, being that creative was like that's what i was liked about like those street contests back then like move something around can you make something else kind of happen that maybe people weren't thinking about and his run was like uh, all right <laughs> you don't even understand what's happening here at all so yeah, yeah i mean at this one. at this point in my young skate career as a you know a 16 year old unsponsored amateur gons was like the pinnacle of where any of us wanted to be in terms of not just the style but the fact that he was innovating and, and doing all these little things that really, you know, they didn't flow together. They weren't visually spectacular. Like you're going to see in a moment with Christian, who's like given a full on Venice boardwalk demo, but like all these pieces of how to adapt the flatland Ollie to get up and down sidewalks and, and little mani pads and, and then, and just how smooth everything is with Gons and, and his ability to kind of interpret that little artificial landscape and manipulate the jump ramp around to to yeah to make it his own playground it's just it's so insane it was so insane to see then and then to see it now 35 years later his part has does not look dated to me at all it looks like it could have been shot you know last year yeah he does the switch method off the jump ramp too that little i was about to mention yeah. that i remember yeah. he coined it the punky brewster oh wow the punky people brewster. Go, i loved it wait he just he just did that which yeah mm -hmm. method and, and somebody, somebody asked him about it i remember overhearing it was, yeah call you want to call it trick the punky brewster yeah well <laughs> that's awesome that funny. that's a true neil blender name trick then the punky brewster um <laughs> and then i think it's it's also worth noting like you can't really tell in the video footage that's um on youtube but he's got that crazy baby blue ucla kit on with the blue and yellow ucla tube socks he's got the air jordan red and black Jordan yep. ones on and then he's wearing like this baby blue trucker hat that you can't see I, I mean I just know because I saw Gons afterwards in the parking lot but it's this baby blue trucker hat with a foam face and it's just in this really crappy script typeface it says Savannah on the front oh wow that did he write it on there or is that like no a no gift, no gift it was like a screen printed thing it would have been like yeah the Savannah International Airport gift shop yeah. purchase for sure <laughs> hit the gift shop <laughs> yeah it had that look to it like a truck stop hat like it was just a cheap really cheap thing you know if you go dig up uh December 87 Thrasher where they had the, the color photos of this contest you'll just see visually how insane it all looked mm -hmm. to me at least you know as somebody who's you know spent an entire lifetime chasing uh art and design as a as a career and as a you know as a passion so it's just uh insane it's funny i skated with uh lance and mark at, at lance's ramp i think it was later that week and i mark was rocking the same shirt the ucla thing and i was like <laughs> yeah. oh dude i go oh mark are, are, are you like going why are you wearing all the ucla stuff are you going to school there what are you doing and he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm taking classes there i'm taking rock climbing classes <laughs> 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 and i was like i look over at lance i go they have rock climbing at ucla and he just looked at 
were. He's like, he just looked at me like, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it became a thing too, because it wasn't long after the contest. I started seeing skaters around Savannah. Yeah. Kids wearing a UCLA t-shirt. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, like, awesome. Started yeah. And I think it yeah. lasted a while too. It did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Third place, Eric Dressen. Dogtown. You I got, like that uh, he's uh he does he pushes regular and then he pushes Mongo just to be like hey guys I can do it both man like that's like a trick you know you can do both yeah um so Eric would have been you know part of the Venice Pavilion crew for sure so he'd already be familiar with all the wall stuff all the all the ramp to wall stuff mm-hmm. and uh, this is still a little ahead sorry a little bit before Eric D's kind of contest streak that we would hit in probably eighty eight eighty nine where you'd go out and win just about every yeah. street contest but eric skates super fast super fast and i mean it's not even you can't really tell from these clips but that's the one thing i always liked about him he's such a small dude and he just skates fast and it is so aggressive i, I remember that too being there yeah and he was an early dude too that was out there listening to epmd or eric b or you know whatever whatever hip-hop like he he brought the hip-hop flavor to his his contest runs Second place, Steve Caballero, just right out of the gate, coming down that ramp and that huge like 360 over the to flat. Oh, the I flat. Remember, yeah, brutal. I remember in the practice I saw that and I couldn't believe it. I, I just didn't think it was like so big. Just the distance, the height and the distance he went, and then just landing on flat yeah. ground. Oh yeah. I, I didn't think it was po- as humanly possible. I thought you would just break your ankles, you know, but you yeah. did it so over and over and over. But I remember and seeing the initial practice runs he was doing, I was that completely blew my mind. So that box is about five feet tall, and he's probably four feet over the top of that box. Yeah. And so yeah, he's going about nine to ten feet straight to the you know floor. It's just yeah, brutal. It's, it's superhuman. Yeah, I don't know how you know he still walks. In. <laughs> it looks like like <laughs> length, like lengthwise he he almost has it he almost clears it i mean yeah he lands off to the side completely clears it yeah yeah yeah. no he clears it for sure he he definitely clears the whole thing it's insane with a a ton of space left over yeah and then he follows it up with a big cess slide to flat on the wall ramp which is is pretty cool but then like the front board on this pvc thing like Mm -hmm. think about injection molded plastic rails on your board in contact with pvc coping it is like so slick and i skate a lot of curbs all the time still like double sliders and i can't imagine how slick it must have been to front board this you know 50 foot long rail so Did that's pretty have sick a cover from that contest doing a front side that board was, slide uh, on that savannah that contest? two savannah two 88 okay. so this would have been next year yeah one little year. uh production yeah, thing like after yeah. cab does that wall ride and he does like that air walk off the uh the ramp where they kind of pause it, but then like they film it on a TV and you get that quick shot of a TV. It's yeah. kind of an interesting thing that you'll kind of see in some later Powell videos, but I think this might be the oh, total Stacy edit. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like the first time you see it here, it's something that kind of carries on into the next few videos that I noticed. Well, I mean, that's a cool, a cool way to get like a really low-fi visual effect is to, yeah, like film a monitor, right? And mm-hmm. then you have the can the the ability there to kind of do a screen a screen grab of a of a fuzzy monitor and yeah it's it's definitely something that we're going to see as a viewer in the public domain and ban this and as the guys kind of get get more comfortable with doing these like video toaster kind of graphics which i'm totally into yeah 
Yeah, Steve also, I mean, if you talk about guys who were able to weather the the 90s, you know, the transition into street yeah. skating, I mean, Steve is way up there. Well, I mean, if you talk about like the the vert pros who kind of remained remained in the game and kept themselves relevant. You so know, this Steve, is 80, 87, this is August yeah. 87, a cab turned pro in what, 79? I think so, yeah. yeah. So it's already a long I mean, career for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he's already proven to be someone who can adapt and skate anything, mm-hmm. you know. So not not a big shocker to see Cab come out and and do what he did and finish well because he he kind of knows how it all works. Yeah, he wins the year before in uh, Oceanside Street Attack, and then the he wins the next year Savannah too. He gets first place. So yeah, he's probably you might even consider him the greatest like all around skater of all time. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. He's got my vote. That's why yeah. I started scanning was because of him. So yeah. in magazines yeah. with the Raybones Rodriguez board, I got that same board. I'd go to Lakewood Skate Park with the camo shirt trying to be, I, I was the poor version of cab. It was like, <laughs> I had like a cow board, but I had like power flex wheels, <laughs> not bones wheels. And like Ace, if anybody remembers, there was this truck called Laser. They had yep. laser trucks. Yeah. I remember board the yeah. 80s yeah so yeah cab has always been like the biggest influence to me and i was like the the most yeah the careers the, the highs and lows of that guy and especially the 90s the later 90s when he really went in and attacked like street like he was like spent time on handrails and everything else oh, yeah. learned through 60 flips all the grabs like he he spent some time when skateboarding was like you know kind of as it was starting to come back a little bit but uh yeah he stevie's put his time in on everything listen cab cab is not a lazy guy right i mean he's just applied himself he's applied (laughs) himself you know in so many arenas kind of beyond his natural ability so that's what's amazing to think that there are other skateboarders who had probably more natural ability but did not apply themselves in a way that like somebody like cab who certainly had amazing natural ability and he was disciplined enough to um to work hard and, and and stay focused and yeah i mean that's a that's a, a great person to have as kind of a, a an inspo or a role model so i yeah, get I mean, it think about that no. what was it class of 2000 where he did that like 20 was a 20 stair handrail or some massive huge long handrail yeah. it's yeah. like you know there was there was no i mean if you think about the guys he was skating with a decade before that you know, he was pretty much the only one left at, at that point that was out there, like k- kind of getting that kind of footage. At Think least about his integrity the- too. Yeah, speak to integrity. He's been with the same sponsor since what the late seventies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it kind of speaks to something where there was a time, and Steve remembers these times where this at Powell, where people were just the skaters were jumping ship left and right. <laughs> skaters were changing, you know, their brand loyalty within months. You know, and Caballero has been on Powell, yeah, you know, indie, um, yeah. vans, yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah. Well, you yeah. think about it. There was a time they went to Steve and they said, you know, we're we're taking away your pro model, like yeah. we're not doing pro models anymore. And he stuck with them through that. I mean, how many people would have left yeah. because of that? I'm know? sure something was negotiated, but still, he's I don't know. It's everybody was in the grass was greener. I remember Stacy telling just saying horrible stories about like he would help a kid get out. You know a sad card and then a movie and then he'd find out for the grapevine a month later like he'd gone it <laughs> you know he'd jump to another brand <laughs> without him even knowing about it but sure but i, I just think that's a, that's really cool cab being so solid and just he, he remembers i'm sure yeah 
uh, I mean, he, when somebody somebody was good to him, you know. Yeah, he's a franchise player, which you just don't see anymore in, in kind of the industry of skateboarding. I mean, you don't even see that yeah. in other sort of, you know, MLB or MLS or, you know, NFL, any of the yeah. other kind of major sports. You don't have franchise players anymore. They just get traded train the team after two, three, four seasons. So yeah, but he was probably so busy trying to learn guitar and art and actually skate, that he didn't have time to do anything else. That's true. Yeah, actually, yeah. actually doing that's it. True. So that's probably why yeah. he was just too busy to quit. Yeah. You know what? You <laughs> yeah. Not to not to like just sit here and make this a caballero like love fest, but dude, like watching how good that guy got at at, at drawing over the last. I mean, I remember when he kind of started posting drawings on Instagram. Yeah. And it was like, this is good. And then it got to the point where it was like, this is legitimately like yeah. really good. Like it's not like you know he just always he's a pro skater and it's good by a pro skater's that doesn't know yeah, what he's, he's doing stand professional level of doing several things you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so i mean i think he's like one of those types that he just whatever he applies himself to he is just gonna be good at it because he's he's just as naturally yeah. talented like when i was a kid i thought he drew his graphic the the first graphic the the dragon thing i was the like and i always drew him and painted and stuff so it kind of like oh man if he could do it i could do it then later on i found court did it i was like okay cool but now over the, yeah, like when he started actually getting good with the sketches and the painting and everything, it was like, well, now you're actually good enough to actually do that. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, so, and you did that. I've never seen anybody do it so quickly, like afterwards, so late, like, all right, here I go. I'm going to start learning how to paint and draw and illustrate. It's so quickly, you know, and he, right. but he's just he's such a focused demon or, or dragon for his, <laughs> he, he, he's so like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And lucky enough to have been around to see how that guy kind of operates you know yeah i mean you got to go see it the road with him really got to see so, it. Yeah, it's amazing first place christian hosoy well i mean what so, can you say the dude comes yeah. out like i said it is full venice beach sidewalk <laughs> demo man i mean he's got the the crazy jimmy z shorts on and like the the, the torn up t-shirt with like the streamers hanging off of his neck and stuff it's like it's showtime and yeah this is Hasoy in his prime, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it just like, yes, it's classic Hasoy. Yeah. And it's like, it's so the presentation, it's like Jimi Hendrix guitar solo. I mean, it's just like, it's, it was a thing of beauty. You know, at this point, I'm not like a huge fan of the surf style, but yo, I can look at this and be like, he makes it look good, man. Makes it look and good. He, and he well. does some stuff on this run. That's just insane too. I mean, the, the wall rides that he was doing, it's on the, you know it's the cover video photo of the video but this this front side wall ride where he just comes up and it's again it's straight from the venice boardwalk where he almost touches the top of the wall is just i mean that ramp is eight feet tall and then there's about 10 feet of vert above that Super he's up there yeah it was huge so big i like that he starts out you know a lot of the guys would just start on that starting ramp and come down but he comes up it and then like <laughs> jumps back down to, to kick the whole thing <laughs> off you gotta like yep. plus it you can't just ride down it you gotta make it yep. a little more tricky no he puts on a show man absolutely yeah of course the ollie over the car i mean there's a lot of guys going over the hood or ollieing onto the car and riding off but he goes over the whole you know middle of the car the highest part it's pretty yeah pretty crazy oh, yeah that's yeah. right because yeah christian could uh yeah he can only really big too i remember that i think it was a, it was a spitfire ad it was him Nautis, and dressin at venice high and i think christian actually he was alling off the ramp 
Into yeah, the it was hip. a triples. It was a still photo, and it was a triples, yeah. and there was like Hasoy yeah. coming off the ramp, uh, Nanas oh, going over the hip, and then Eric D like carving underneath him, and yeah. the, uh, the the ollie, just the ollie off the jump ramp that Christian was doing was like, dude, it was like ten <laughs> feet in the air. It was massive. So yeah, yeah, Christian could had like mastered the flatland ollie ahead of a lot of um, other skaters, you know, too. So he could do big ollies on the flat. Yeah, he's the first guy to ollie the wall at the Brooklyn Banks, you know, off yeah. the bank, over the wall, into the street. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. It's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. California guy went to New York and ollied the wall before anybody else. What's the punchline? Because that's a great setup. California guy goes to Brooklyn Banks. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing it's a surf maneuver, but I don't know anything about surfing where he kind of like crosses his foot over on the board, like real style. Oh, like the like long board back. step yeah. over thing? Yeah, I love yeah. it. I Little used to do that the all nose. the time. Yeah. Cross stepping. Yeah. Yeah. Hands up go over watch, the head. Uh, go watch Dave Hackett, Street Attack, Oceanside 85, and he skates to ZZ Top Lagrange, and I'm pretty sure he does the same kind yeah. of walk on the nose. Yep, yep. Well, that just speaks LA to Hasoy's like style, though, man. Like, yeah, he could just do he could just do something like that. That's like, he's just rolling. Yeah, he puts his you know steps his foot over and puts his hands. Yeah, up he had like, everything. I'm so great. He's just like flapped around things, like you know, G turns, nose wheelies, and stuff like that. And going from like the wall to doing something like stylish just on flat ground. I think that's why he, he really nailed the whole thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I like that. It, it it's like this is like a. Un undefined you know you're not really you don't have really like what is street skating you know yeah it, it you're defining it right now you know like this is sort of the mm -hmm. the embryonic phase of, of of it so it's like yeah whatever like neil blender spray painting a wall or you yeah. know because so we're just kind of doing surf moves on flat ground it's all like kind of just setting the pace you know for what's to come you know and also like giant handrails and stuff like that which is obviously where it went it was cool there was no rules back then you, you probably couldn't do that now yeah on the on the jump ramp that was on the right side one thing i noticed in the video uh the jump ramp to the wall on the right mm -hmm. side he he gets so much horizontal distance on that i remember oh being God. there yeah um video didn't quite do it justice, but when you saw it there in real life you're like yeah he went twice as far horizontal like he lands in that nook where the where the wall ends. Yeah, there's there these seats back up, and nobody was doing what nobody was going that far. So um, yeah, he's bug. he's approaching that narrow uh, jump ramp to wall, which you know is only like four feet wide, and then somehow he's able to carve across <laughs> the face of the wall about 15 feet. Then he grabs his rail, and when he pulls off the wall, he clears like the base of the wall by like another 10 feet. It is insane. And barely scrubs any speed when he comes off. So yeah, it's like, it's amazing. Oh, oh, I just remember one little interesting anecdote about the walls on the wall ride. Oh man! Um, at the at the end of the contest, the civic center director comes up to me and he goes, um, "We didn't understand that they'd actually be skateboarding on the wall." <laughs> and I was like, and I go, "Uh oh!" Like spidey sense starting. I go, and he goes there are marks all over these walls here and i was like uh yeah that wasn't understood you know and and then he let me off the hook he goes we were actually planning on repainting it anyway uh, so don't worry maybe. about it i was like that's good oh thank god because i was doing the numbers oh, were going dollar signs yeah. were going like yeah. what's this gonna cost me you know and but but that's the reason and he goes the reason i, I was telling he wasn't trying to you know screw with me or anything but I, the re, he goes, the reason I'm telling you is I've already heard wind that you might do this again next year. 
And yeah. just so you know, we're going to paint this, so you're fine. We're planning on painting it anyway. But next contest, you yep. that can't happen. You got to put something again. You got to build the ramp all the way. So um, I went, okay, yeah, no problem. And that's why in the next two videos, you don't, they're not, you know, nothing is directly on the wall. You know, yep. they had to, the Buddha Buddha ramp in three had to be built all the way to the top. So yeah, that's amazing. Damage the wall. But, so obviously watching this video, we're seeing, you know, kind of a condensed edited, you know, I'm guessing probably the footage is pulled from a few different runs and, and put together. Do you guys think, you know, being there was the, the results pretty honest or was there some big glaring observation? Like, would you think be like, oh, gone should have won or something like that? Or was it pretty turn out the way it should be? Yeah, my feeling that was nobody cared. Everybody thought everybody kind of won in their own way whether you're Grasso and you just kind of goofed it, you know, and had fun or you're Hasoy who just, you know, Caballero who just smashed the whole thing, you know, and everybody, yeah, I, I, I never heard any like animosity like, oh, this person shouldn't have won or I heard a little bit like, uh, you know, Christian is like a vert skater. He did a lot of vert stuff, but I said, when you go look at it, no, he's doing a lot of flat ground stuff too. So yeah, I, I never heard it much about anybody feeling like the judging wasn't proper or but, but also how do you how do you judge something that's really never been done oh i i always thought gone should have won but then again he was doing which you didn't really do back then like you know cab and and christian those guys had these and tom had these perfect flawless runs where you didn't it was all they knows how to skate contests and mark was a little bit more what it all turned into was stop here this and then let's do other tricks over this because i'm not sure if that was his whole run that last one it was cut edited together from different runs or yeah, not i think it but was yeah he he did so many like i think yeah i think tim you said he um they showed him afterwards like they let him skate and do some other stuff like up against the side of the, the wall he was just okay here we go here's the here's the gone show but i guess contest wise that didn't win but i was like for me i was like well we just saw him do all of this new stuff to me, I always thought like, yeah, would have technically given it the gons, but I go, no, everybody had these like flawless runs. All those guys are monsters at contests, dude. They know they all knew how to skate contests, you know. Right. So, and obviously you can see it by that, that count. But yeah, for me, I was like, oh, I would have given it the mark. <laughs> but I mean, I, I agree with I agree with Steve just from like a purely innovative kind of point of view. But yeah, Gons isn't necessarily linking these things together in one continuous line or run the way that the more sort of seasoned guys are putting on the the, the show and have everything linked together in like one kind of coherent kind of way. Whereas the Gons is like you're getting these little little vignettes or these little glimpses of these things that are going to take you a while to kind of even wrap your head around and not again they're not visually spectacular necessarily but they're technically or creatively they're very very unique yeah looking back on was like he gave you kind of a sense of what was about to come you know mm -hmm. and, in skateboarding and you know at the time maybe he didn't realize you know only certain people like your, yourself jason realized it but you know a lot of people didn't they just wanted to see what was big you know yeah kind of changed what a street stock contest was he would definitely stand out a lot of the ones i talked to after they didn't really care who won they just had their favorite and they just yeah. they were just stoked to see them skate yeah it was a it was such an amazing experience as a spectator it was just amazing well i can tell you who who thinks gons also thinks gons should have won and that's everybody 
in the YouTube comment section of the <laughs> video. Oh, really? I've never read that. <laughs> I, I never even looked at it. So, yeah, <laughs> I, there? I didn't it know there was one. Crap, where is it? <laughs> so then we have the cause and effect uh, section. That's kind of like a little aftermath clip. Uh, you know, guys are getting their checks, you know, sticker toss, product toss. Is the energy in the arena just peaking? Like, I just got to imagine people are just, the crowd is just going wild. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it it's bad. coming down a little bit because you just like you can't believe what you just witnessed. You're trying to still absorb it. it, it it's just like what what just happened. I mean, it's like after seeing a great live band and a great venue, I'm mean, you like you're ecstatic, but then you're bummed that it's over. You don't want it to end. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of blown away that was all in one day. Usually, would there be like a qualifying, you know, yeah. the day before kind of thing? So it's just crazy. That's like all that in one day. Yeah, I think yeah. it was probably a uh, four or five hours. It was, yeah, it was long for sure. Yeah, it was wow. a long day. Tim, do you but remember yeah, what the prize prize money was? Do you remember? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Do you remember, Steve? Maybe we might have known. I don't know. Um, it wasn't. Dude, much. I was about just skating. Yeah, I think. Money, I think. <laughs> no, I just thought since you're on the team, you might have known known what. Oh, I, I don't even know, remember. God. Um, but I I, I want to say maybe a grand for yeah. first. It might Maybe be in, in Thrasher Transworld. Sometimes they would list. It you probably know, who is. Got first. I go back yeah. and look at it. I don't remember it being a lot, but I just remember like what Jason's talking about. That the energy was just huge. You know, people like you know they didn't want it to end. And uh, yeah, I remember one part like some guys. You know, it's almost like leaving a concert or whatever. And a lot of people, a ton of people waited out the back. You know, oh yeah, favorite skater came out. And I remember. I can't remember her name, but there was a gal that worked for Thrasher. I remember her grabbing like Tony and maybe somebody else and they don't walk out there. It's mayhem. Like, <laughs> like give it, give it a few minutes. And Tony was like, what are you talking about? Oh, go back to the hotel. Like he just, you know, he goes, no, give it a few minutes. Just wait a little while. <laughs> Cause it, it was, it was like huge crowd, you know, remind you of, um, Groupies, man. For the, yeah, the Groupies. Beatles to get off, get off the, the, the subway train or something like that. Uh -huh. guilty as charged yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> we wanted to high five these guys every, just like let them know felt, it was yeah it was yeah, amazing everybody felt like that but all the you know everybody went out on the town later at night so a lot of people if you're around savannah you probably got to meet your hero yeah which is what we would do the preceding years when i would be uh of driving age and and such and we would stay overnight so then we have the jonesing section you know i'll call yes. it a Powell. if you got a Powell peralta video you got to have a slam section yep. in there before it's over my favorite part is Lance is wearing the, the chin mask shirt and he pulls it up over <laughs> yeah, his head like a head. real mask and tries to do a board slide. And then after that, closing credits. They show uh, in the slam, they show Tony trying a 540 on the wall ramp. That's right. They That's did, right. He yeah, tried yeah. to McTwist. Yeah. Which to my knowledge is probably the first time anyone had ever tried that on a, you know, at a street contest. And doing that on a quarter pipe is way different than doing it on a ramp. I can tell you. I've I'm tried sure. it. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not, it's, you get pitched out. You don't, it's not the same thing. They also show uh, Klaus Grabke try to like the kind of starting ramp. He tries to launch off all the way up to the top corner, like use it as like a launch ramp, go off the top corner, but he doesn't, he doesn't pull it, but that's quite, oh, a, yeah. that's quite a drop. So Tim, are you immediately thinking like, man, I pulled this off. We got to do another one or, or what do you, what were your feelings? Uh, when there, it was was all all, there was, yeah, there was talk already. You know, that was kind of the energy. I remember, you know, talking to um, Fausto and he was like, we want to do it again, like right right away. 
Nice. Or never talking. Yeah, because the next one, this is August, and I think the next one's like April or May. April '88. Yeah, it's like almost six months later or something, you know. And I think the next one was NSA sanctions. I'm not sure. I know the third one was for sure. Um, So, at what point, Tim, do you feel like a sigh of relief that it that you you did it? Like it was kind of a coup d'état that you got all these guys, all, all these industry heads from the West Coast to come to yeah. sleepy savannah georgia and just put on this event that was amazing. i think it was a night it was, well it was very pivotal that i knew i wasn't gonna have to pay for the paste to be repainted <laughs> <laughs> after, after that point i went okay maybe this was a success you know um but you know after just like talking to um yeah a lot of the guys that came out fosto especially because he initiated the whole thing stacy and um Richard wow. Patrick was super into it um enthused and that was like his first gig i think working at Powell and um some other guys like jim muir and stuff they're like yeah this is great savannah's cool i think they liked the city a little bit they, they thought it had character um they liked the restaurants and stuff oh no yeah and then i had to worry about getting rid of the ramps because <laughs> they had to be out where night. did they go because the, you know, I... the guy um some people took on like i gave them away like if i knew right. a local skater i said you got a truck here and they go yeah pull your truck in. I'll help you pull the truck in. Let's load it up and take that thing away. You know, wow. some of them. Um, and then some, the rest were, there was a company that would salvage the wood that the, right. the civic center director knew. And he said, right. well, let's give them a call. So whose car, whose car was it? It was, it was a junk car from the, I believe Fosto got it from a junkyard. He <laughs> okay. went to a junkyard and said, we deliver that car and we come pick it up and we're done with it. Yeah. That's cool. great. And uh, I think he, I think he still paid for the whole car. Yeah. Like a car. But he said, Yeah, I'll pay for it, but you can have it back if you come pick it up. <laughs> that's amazing. That's right. That was in a way kind of the last hurrah of the car in a contest. I go although I guess there was in number three there was a car. Yeah, number three there was, was a car. Because I yeah. remember yeah. Ben Schroeder almost killed me going over the airing over the ramp. Oh. You remember the third one had like two opposing ramps, two um quarter pipes. So I'm going over and you're trying to everybody skating. And this happened like three times. Kid around this bank, I go to air over. And then Schroeder is coming the other way. And we are literally in the air and pushing each other. Thank God I didn't hit him. Happened three times in a row. And I'm going like, Ben, when are you going? <laughs> and he's like, like I just don't do not want to hit you head on. If anybody and he's a big guy. Been like, he's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when the video came out for Savannah One, what did you guys think? Did you think it captured the, you know, the the energy and the the vibe of the contest, or what did you guys think of it? Uh, I don't even remember when I saw it. I, you, I don't like it was not for years after until I saw it. Because you you lived um, it, you didn't wasn't. I lived maybe, it, and yeah. then I had photos, and then we did our article and our zine for it, and it was like okay, it was done. When did I mean, the video come out in relation to the contest happening? I think they cranked it out pretty quick. Because back in I those remember. days, it, it, it seemed like it was always forever for like something yeah. to come, you know, for yeah. something new to be released on video. So this probably came out, it says copyright 88 on it, High Speed Productions, which is, you know, yeah. the publisher, publishing company for Thrasher. Um, I'm going to take a guess and say it was like maybe January or February of 88. So it would have been early 88. Yeah. So probably about I, six months after, but I don't I, even remember I where it was I think they wanted to get it out before. Yeah, I think they might even try to get it out before Christmas. Yeah, Tim, because you worked but, at Powell. You know how Stacy and those guys were. I think the first footage that I saw of the contest was like the following next trade show. They were showing some of those clips already edited. Oh, uh, yeah, together, that's right. You know? 
That's right. Yeah. So yeah. that was probably like a because I, I remember seeing some of the clips going. Oh, I wanted to see more. Oh. And then, however, whenever that came out, yeah, I don't even remember. Yeah, they have the uh, the oh. opening montage from this video. The skating is that segment is in the uh, Axe Rated video, which we just put out our episode for that today. So it's kind of oh like wow, a little preview. I love that video of, of Savannah. Yeah, yeah, that's the that same thing. That's probably what it was. The the first time we saw it was because Stacy'd make all these little videos for like the trade show stuff, and then right. it was like, you got to put that out. I mail ordered this video, the, the first ad, I think Thrasher ran ads for this once it was out for like a whole year, but the first one hit and uh, I was like, mom, I got to order this video. We, we mailed out a check and it felt like I waited forever for this thing to show up. It finally shows up, put it in the VCR, no picture, just sound. No. Yeah. So it's just music. Cause there's no like skate sounds in the video. No. I was so bummed. So my mom calls Thrasher like, oh, yeah, we got the video. You know, it's not working. And they're like, oh, yeah, send it back. We'll send you another one. But I think we mailed it back the next day. But that day, I still played the tape like three or four times, like just hoping somehow the picture was going to kick in. But I, so oh, I, just, God. I listened to, you know, the Beware record soundtrack basically for, you know, three or four times before, oh, we, before we sent it back and got the other one. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite videos. It's just, I don't know. I like kind of the documentary vibe. You're getting, you know, information and skateboarding, you know, together. That's how I kind of like it. Well, now I see it, you know, through my lens of being kind of a Stesic fanatic and, um, you know, being a former Savannah resident um, for so many years. So uh, I connect to kind of that opening montage where we see, you know, some of the sites around town and, um and then kind of seeing what Stesic was riffing on, like what was catching his eye, what are the things that he, what are the motifs, the visual motifs that he's going to continue to kind of use as a art director at, at Powell Peralta for many years, but then also as he transitions into kind of, you know, um, things that beyond the skateboard industry and as, a, as an artist, like I see those little little glimpses of those, uh, those motifs here and there, and it's, um, that's sort of how I see it these days. So I want to wrap this up because I think my hard drive is going to explode recording, you know, five HD videos right now. Much like my bladder. Yeah. <laughs> so Tim, one last question for Tim. When can we expect Savannah Slam of four? That's the big question. You know, I've been trying to keep it alive. Mm -hmm. I initially just had a handshake deal with Fausto back in the day. RIP Fausto. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, um, I, yeah, I trademarked it. And the reason I did that, I did have people come to me that just seemed like they wanted to cash in on it. You know, like, let's get Red Bull involved. Let's do this. And it just, they seem to want me to just hand them the keys of the kingdom or whatever, which I don't think I necessarily have. But, and they wanted to, but it seemed like they just wanted to capitalize on it. Like they weren't really into the skating. You know, I've had that happen a couple of times. So I just kind of said, I'll, I'll hear you out. And it just didn't seem... I don't know. It didn't seem good. That happened a couple times. And then I, I've heard I've heard rumors that you know um, people want to do like a reunion type thing event. Mm -hmm. Um. So you know I don't know. It's it's all in works. I'm trying to keep the spirit of it alive. But I'd like to do it light, and I still want to honor that agreement I had with Fosto saying if it is an event, I want it you know to be where anybody could afford to go. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Then things are expensive, you know, to run. So. Is um, that venue so still there I'm in Savannah? It, it is. is. And Civic Center. That, yeah. They're oh, going awesome. to tear it down. They're, they're yeah, slated to tear it down. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Tim, you get, better get on it. Yeah, there was a, a four slated. It was on the schedule. You know, Steve probably remembers. And it was 
literally can't it was canceled like just literally i think a, i think a month before it was supposed to happen oh wow because i was i think i was working at powell at the time and i did work with powell saying i'll be gone you know during this time and they made it clear it'd be unpaid leave <laughs> to go wow. back and do the contest yeah. <laughs> wow. i mean they were it was just an agreement from from the get-go but i don't mean anything negative with powell they're a wonderful company i was you know still am proud to have worked for them well, I'd like so, to add yeah. that uh, I received my Bachelor of Fine Art degree on that same arena floor not too many years after oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read that awesome. That's so cool. That is yeah. awesome. So really uh, cool. as the art school there in Savannah grew over the years, um, the graduating class got so big that they started to have to rent out the Civic Center arena to have their graduation yeah. ceremony. So, um, yeah, right about where Gone slides up the rail is where I received my certificate. So pretty. <laughs> That's awesome. so cool. Amazing. Yeah. That's Same incredible, crap. man. All right. Well, I thank you guys very much for taking the time to do this. I know it's been it's been a couple hours. So um, yeah, just thank, thank you, Larry. Thank you so thank much. You. Oh, yeah, no fun. problem. Yeah, thanks, thanks no for problem. having me. It's so cool that people are still interested in this oh, like yeah. little part of skate history. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, man, thanks. This is this is uh, awesome to relive those memories because they, you know, mean so much to me, and they really kind of think helped shape skateboarding too. Those are the beginning days. I think that we're lucky to all experience that because yeah. we didn't know what was happening. It was the beginning of not knowing. And I think when you get in anything like you're trying to be sponsored, you're trying to be all these other things, and the not knowing makes it really exciting. Like you showing up to the event, going, "What is this? I mean, when do you get that again?" Once you're already in it for a while, you might get still might be cool, but you get a little jaded. But those beginning experiences and skateboarding was just like you're gonna get blown away, you know, from what Mark was doing, from what everybody was doing, you know. It's just so awesome. We're just I think we're so lucky to have been in that place. And we still revel in it now. Everybody's like still inspired by it today, you know. So uh thanks for having me to to go down that memory lane. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Jason and Tim. That was, that was amazing. I think I just had my mind blown with all that. Incredible, man. Yeah. What an honor. Thank you, all three of you guys for coming on. Yeah, and, uh, that was great. But I'm actually not done talking about Savannah Slamma, Matt. So during the uh, interview, uh, Tim talked about how uh, Kevin Thatcher from Thrasher kind of came up with the name. And uh, last year uh, in Thrasher's 40-year uh, anniversary issue, they did a interview with Kevin Thatcher and one of, they asked him about the Savannah Slamma contest. So I thought maybe I would read his answer. Um, I'm horrible at reading on these shows, but I'm going to give it a shot. I thought it would just be fun to kind of include his take. So here's what Kevin says. Tim Malin's family ran a local skate shop, High Tide, and his father was a country club guy and well-connected. He had the MLK Arena in Savannah, Georgia available and was in the lumber company so we could get the supplies for cheap. We had been doing Joe's Ramp Jam and the Roadshow, stuff like that. It just worked out. We'd show up with Red Dog, Lance, and the crew and build the course three days before the contest. Fausto was wielding a hammer. We didn't know what we were doing, but we did it. We built a quarter pipe that went up the wall with 15 feet of vert. We would be so hungover and burnt after building everything and then show up to the contest the next morning with a line around the block with people waiting to get in. It was cool. We sold that place out, I think, three years in a row. That was Kevin Thatcher talking about awesome. Savannah Slamma. Super cool. 
And then also I dug out my copy of Transworld Skateboarding Magazine where they cover the contest and it's from the February 88 issue. I think this might've been when Transworld was still bi-monthly before it went to monthly. Since the, I don't know if it has to do with, since it was a Thrasher promoted event that Transworld, uh, the, the article is just like a paragraph and it's written by uh, Gary Scott Davis, you know, GSD, who's actually in the contest. Mm-hmm. There's just a few black and white photos. But what I did notice was the results that are in the video and then the results listed in the magazine uh, differ a little bit. So first through fourth place matches up in both but let's see here in uh, well I'll, I'll mention the video so in the video they say fifth place is tommy guerrero and in trans world fifth place jeff kendall oh man yeah so in the video it says sixth place lance mountain trans world says sixth place tommy guerrero in the video seventh place bill danforth and then in Transworld, seventh place is Lance Mountain. Hmm. And then in the video, eighth place is Jeff Kendall. And then in the magazine, eighth place is Bill Danforth. So it's it's the same four dudes, but the same just, four dudes, yeah. but just a different order. So, so, so one of them is incorrect, I'm guessing. Unless wow. I guess it is I, possible they both got it wrong, but I'm not sure how that I, I wonder what the Thrasher article on it lists the standings at i did look at that they don't have like a an actual line listing oh, it's they kind of more of a you know like in mm-hmm. the actual article it kind mm-hmm. of says yeah the people who are in the finals and i think only they mention who got maybe the top three or four places oh man um which are correct so those kind of like eight through yeah. five so i don't huh. know just another little i'm sure somebody out there probably knows the answer to that we were talking earlier you know before the podcast started it up about what a uh, sort of special contest this was in the history of skateboarding like how many firsts happened why do you think that is like we talk about you know what why did kevin thatcher get that particular question posed to him like why that of all the contests why was yeah i don't don't know i think it was you know before you know we got talking about they're not talking about duel at diablo you know they're not talking about all, you know, any of the myriad other, you know, contests that were, everyone yeah, was involved I guess in back then. these being asked, cause it was, you know, kind of a thrasher promoted event, but yeah, well, it just seems like that in it was entire, bigger than that though. You know? Yeah. You know, as a kid, I kind of under knew, understood its significance as being the first indoor pro street style contest. So that seemed right. like a big deal. The first contest to have like a fake handrail. Mm-hmm. which you know there hasn't been a street contest since then that has not had you know right a fake or a real handrail oh yeah so that's important and then i think it's just another skateboarding was still really on the rise at that time i think the search for animal chin comes out may 1987 so this contest is happening you know that's just like that video, I think, just got a lot of people in the skating and yeah. got people excited. And then there's this contest yeah. a few months later. And it seemed like when whenever they would have those contests on the East Coast, especially if it was kind of in the central area, you know, the North guys would come down, the South guys would come up. Yeah, and it totally. was just like a big meeting place, kind of like when they would have the uh, 
Mount Trashmore events. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the skating was rad. I think it turned out to be just a special yeah. special contest. I mean, even for me from watching this video and, and seeing the pictures in the magazines, it's just like, I don't know, this one just stands out to me. Yeah, it's one of those things that like it transcends the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's It's one of those like pinnacle moments of, and everything about it was so cool. The name was cool. Everybody yeah. who skated and it was cool. It was such a unique thing. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't think I mentioned it. I, I always love the contest names. They always had like, oh, there's so like a battle badass. or like, oh, a, yeah. A war. yeah. It's like, so Savannah yeah. Slamma, Beach Wars, Eastern yep. Assault, you yep. know, Holiday Havoc. So many good ones, man. Yeah. So many good ones. Yeah. But yeah, Savannah Slamma, man. What can you, what else can you say about it? That was, yeah. uh, people Stick- are still talking about it to this day. You can go. Tim, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He runs the Savannah Slamo like website. Yeah, there's a I website. Mean, you can still get can, like yeah, t-shirts, t-shirts and stuff and stickers, like that. Yeah, yeah. he has the Instagram that's kind of like uh, you yeah. know encompasses the history of all three events. So. Yeah, so go go get some Savannah Slamo gear. Yeah, you know, go say hi. What's up to Tim? And go say hey to Tim. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hopefully that number four will uh, happen. Well, hopefully any listeners who um had any questions about the uh, why we did this video uh, have had their questions answered yes yes or this podcast is about the entire breadth of history of the bones brigade and you know we're going to be outside the box a little bit now and again yeah you know? i guess maybe you could even say it's just the uh a podcast about the uh the videos and films of stacy peralta yeah you could <laughs> yeah. say that yeah 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 so that's it on savannah let's stick a fork in it and that's uh it. we're good on. yeah i hear the mailbag is uh popping off again yeah the mailbag's popping off man we got uh we got a few more um yeah should i just j- jump into it here yeah sure we actually had a few uh to choose from this week we narrowed it down to three uh but we'll probably get back to uh get back around to some of the other ones um but we don't want to you know go too overboard with the mailbag so we'll probably keep it to three pieces of correspondence per per episode i think all right so we got ben from buffalo he says hey larry and matt episodes have been insane so far so stoked someone is doing this maybe you guys can do me a favor and get a question answered for me in an upcoming episode and ban this for the cab mcgill many uses of wood part i'd really like to know how they film this and what the process was to get all the macro and then in parentheses close-up shots my guess is that it was shot on 35 millimeter and they went in and rescanned the film at the different focal length, bringing the scanner closer to the negative. I've always wanted to know how they pulled this off. I think it's one of the greatest skate video segments ever from a cinematic standpoint. Peralta was next level when it came to this stuff and was so ahead of his time. Also went back to these videos for reference when I was at Burton doing post-production work. Can't wait for the next episode. Man. Awesome. <laughs> Very technical question. Yeah that's what the way he explained it i believe that is exactly what they were doing i did uh sit in on like a uh the name of the the process is called like a the telecine process after the film is developed Mm -hmm. and then we had to dump it down to video you can kind of manipulate it in different ways or you want to zoom in on a certain part or make you know speed it up or slow it down i did do that once a long time ago or you know make the frame rates flutter or just do all kinds of weird stuff so i remember talking about this part with a friend who thought powell videos for 
were cheesy or something and he liked the more like kind of raw basic style videos and he said to me one time he's just like man i cannot believe the audacity of stacy peralta <laughs> making his skaters do the same trick over and over and and filming it five different ways. i was like what do you mean and then he would reference this part he'd be like oh Mike McGill does an Ollie Stalefish, and then he'd make him do it again and just film the wheel. And then he'd make him do it again and just film his hand grabbing the board. And I'd be like, no, dude, it's just once. And then there's a cut and then you can like zoom in on it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So he, so my friend thought he was just like, oh, he's making them do it five times and like just, <laughs> you know, films their face one time. And then the other right, time, right, you know, right. the truck just grinding. I'd be yeah. like, Cause you know, they would show it wide and then maybe they'd kind of zoom in on the truck. You know, mm -hmm. it's like all the same shot, but you can just kind of like manipulate the film or like kind of crop in on it. It's like fo a photo in Photoshop. You just want to like yeah. zoom in zoom on the spot. Right. Yeah. Ben, I believe you, you uh, nailed it with that, but maybe when we get to that video, we can uh, you know, I haven't watched it in a while. So I, and I think they do do that kind of editing style in a couple, I'm thinking like Hawk at, Fallbrook, they kind of do that. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, like he does a Madonna, but then you you just see like maybe a close up mm -hmm. of his hand grabbing the nose kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we be watching that video soon. Maybe dig around and see if we can uh, clarify that. I'm not, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and then of course you know the goal is to have Stacy Peralta on here one day, and we can get all kinds yeah. of technical so answers like from him. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Hell yeah! And that is man, what a great part. Yeah, I always think of it as that. What is it? My my ship, my ship underwater. Yeah, underwater. I always think of that. Song. Yeah. yeah, that's a trees trees jam right there. I believe. Yep. Yep. I know it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great part. Yeah, um, thanks uh, for writing in, Ben. I haven't talked yeah. to you in a long time. That's an old old friend from back home. Oh, sweet. All right, man. Well, we got uh, we got McSqueeb from Toronto. He says, "Hey, love the podcast. It's everything my brother and I have been talking about since 1986." And he plans to break down Police Academy 4's scenes with the Brigade and Chris Miller. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, we actually get a lot of requests for Police Academy 4, Thrashing, yeah, and Gleaming the Cube. Those are yeah. kind of like the, the three big kind of motion picture type skateboarding. So I think we will have to do those at some point. Um, I know I was saying, you know, like that Police Academy 4 segment, you know, that's only like couple minutes long mm -hmm. and we talked about doing a, a scraps episode at one point do you remember we yeah. would take mm -hmm. that and there's some other kind of uh segments within other videos that we had talked about maybe packaging mm -hmm. them all together so oh, i think yeah. we'll have to get to all that stuff eventually that was definitely one that was on my in my very short list of like skate stuff to watch when i was younger like you know what I mean? Yeah. When you, did, when you just we had nothing except the same like few videos, it was like the the opening scene of Police Academy Four was definitely like in the sort of regular rotation just to have something new to watch every once I, in a while. Yeah, to me that is the best skateboarding in any movie. Like even oh, by far. better than yeah. Thrashing or Gleaming the Cube. Yeah. It's just like it's really good. And I think myself, my friend Mike, and my friend Joe. You know, one of our moms dropped us off at the mall to, to see a matinee of Police Academy 4. And I don't think we had known that there was any skateboarding. In, yeah, in yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of like, I think there was an article on Thrasher, but it came out a little while later, you know, after we had seen the movie. And we were the only ones in the theater. 
and we were going crazy we couldn't even like after it was over we were running up and down the aisles we were so excited we were so awesome like rewind it we wanted to see it again you know you know if you were the only ones in the theater you probably could have like just lobbied the dude be like we just play that part over and over yeah just go back yeah (laughs) how funny man yeah but I have that, I actually have that on DVD. And I think somewhere on, on, on the DVD, there's a, like an Easter egg, like a hidden link to like a secret footage that has a little bit of, it's like a behind the scenes or a making of the skateboarding part. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to. The poli- On the Police Academy 4 DVD? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And oh, I've looked wow. on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure it's not on there. Um, wow, man because it's like an Easter egg. I don't think maybe people don't know what's on there or whatever. So crazy. Wow. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. I so we might have to get that out to a, a larger audience. Yeah. Yeah. We got to track that down. That's, that's, that's definitely worth a. Yeah. Up. I think it was maybe like one of the stunt coordinators or something like brought his camcorder or something to the, the set and was filming the skating, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. a, just home movie like but like on the set behind the scenes type stuff i wish i had a dvd player hooked up i'd want to go watch that right now and see if i can find it maybe when we're done i'm going to look online see what i can dig up maybe it's online if not we will get it online yeah (laughs) i'm sure it's public domain by now right yeah yeah (laughs) no pun intended (laughs) all right we got chris from new mexico Love the podcast. Cannot believe you guys unearthed yet another Bones Brigade video I'd never heard of. LOL. I guess you can toss me into the bin of people who only thought Paul had eight videos or so. Apparently, I need to do some homework. Makes me wonder what else is out there that I've been missing out on. I'm no less confused about the numbering of the videos than I was before. In fact, I wasn't before, but it's been a fun ride either way. Can't wait for the next one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, the numbering that's going to come up a, a little bit in the, uh, the yeah. next few episodes for sure. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, axe rated, man. It's out there. If, if you, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, it is on YouTube. It um, is on YouTube to anyone. I don't, you know, sometimes they'll be like, I want to watch axe rated and I'll go to YouTube and I'm not happy with any of the, the things, the rips, or the rips that are up, yeah. out there because mm-hmm. for some reason, it's stretched out to six you know it's filmed four by three and then they've got it stretched out to 16 by nine you know so it's cropping out part of the picture yeah it's just real pixelated and it's like split in the two parts so it's not really a pleasant viewing experience anyone out there that hasn't seen axe rated go to skate one go to their media page and just just shoot them 10 bucks and get the real deal download you'll be Mm -hmm. you'll be way better off that way Mm -hmm. worth worth all of 10 bucks definitely yep so that's it well thank you i appreciate it uh yes we're glad that we are uh you know continuing to let you guys in on this these these secrets secrets videos videos. yeah videos yeah um but yeah appreciate all the uh feedback as always Um, yeah definitely keep writing in yeah if you want to email us just go to our website thebonesbrigadeaudioshow.com and uh, click on our contact page and you can send us an email right through there so i'm going to give the listeners a homework assignment so go watch savannah slamma and then uh, let us know what you think send us an email after you watch it 
Savannah Slam a one though, right? Yeah, Savannah yes. Slam a one. We're, we're not right. messing with two or three yet. Maybe we yeah. might even have to. We'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> All right. I think we should shut this down, Matt. We're a little silly. It. It's been a long episode. I think it's we're a little a long, tired. Long day. Yeah. yeah. Very long day. So until next time, I'm Larry. And I'm Matt. Reminding you to never stop searching for chin. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>